we present Red for Danger, a new serial thriller in six episodes by Edward J. Mason. Episode 1, Ladies' Invitation. She had flaming red hair, green eyes, and a milky skin that always seems to go with that sort of colouring. Her dress was green too, while there was of it, and it clung to her figure like a wet bathing costume. Mark you, the dress had the right idea. It was the sort of figure anybody or anything would cling to, given the opportunity. For a few moments, I forgot all about Pat. Go on, darling. Enjoy yourself. Sorry, dear. What was that? I would have said a penny for your thoughts, but they'd probably have needed censoring. No, I was just looking at Red Farley. <laughs> looking at her, did you say? You were practically licking your lips. Oh, rubbish. As a fact, I was thinking what a marvellous model she'd have made for somebody like Toulouse-Lautrec. With that colouring, I mean. Oh, yes. With that uh, colouring, of course. Mind you, I always thought most of Toulouse-Lautrec's models wore clothes. Well, Red's wearing clothes, isn't she? Yes. But doing her best to disguise the fact. Meow. Well, David, you really were staring a bit. <laughs> oh, you're jealous. After all, she is our hostess. Must take a bit of notice of her. Yeah, have some more champagne. It's good. Hey, don't forget you're driving home, will you? No, no, I'm not. I ordered a taxi. Been to one of the Farley parties before. <laughs> well, I will say this. When they throw a party, they certainly do it in style, don't they? No. Uh -huh. This must have cost a tidy bit. Has Paul Farley got such a good job as all that? Oh, he's pretty well off financially, I think. Yes, but he's only a research chemist, isn't he? What do you mean, only a research chemist? Don't forget the astronaut foundries are big. Red Eagle's done a pretty decent screw, same as old Vixel his boss. Ah, yes, but Kratz is the kingpin so far as metal research is concerned. Even I know that. Paul's only his assistant. Mm -hmm. Paul's got his various patents of one sort or another. Hugo Norston looks after those for him. They'll bring him in quite a packet, I expect. <laughs> well, if I'd got any patents or a wife like Red, I wouldn't have Hugo Norston around to look after them. I can't stand him. Oh, he's all right. He's got fishy eyes and he paws about with his hands when you're dancing with him. He's slimy, David. Don't you go for that soft Nordic accent? I thought women liked it. Here's one that doesn't, thank you very much. <laughs> bit critical tonight, one way or another, aren't you? Now relax and enjoy yourself. I am. So I see. Anyway, our worthy hosts heading this way at least give the impression that you're having a good time. The next dance will be a ladies' invitation, and ladies, excuse me, darling. The ladies will ask the men to dance, and may also separate couples on the floor and dance with the gentlemen of their choice. Now, don't be shy, ladies, don't be shy. It may not be leap year, but this is your big chance. Oh, can't stand that bandy. They're too hardy for words. Oh, hello there, Paul. Enjoying yourselves? It's a heavenly party, Paul. I wish you had a wedding anniversary every week. One thing I'm pleased about, Red's enjoying herself. Oh, she always does it about it. That's what I love about Red. The fact that she's the hostess never seems to mar her enjoyment in any way. She always starts the party off in the right mood. Mm, thank goodness. I might tell you I was worried. What about? About Red. She's been having frightful fits of depression. Really? Don't tell her I said so, but she's been scaring all of us stiff. Red? Depression? Mm. Oh, I can't believe it. She's the last person in the world, surely. And so you'd think. But what would you say if I told you that twice I'd found her on the point of... 
Oh, well, let's forget it. This is a party. Oh, now, don't be aggravating, Paul. On the point of what? Oh, I shouldn't have mentioned it. On my mind so much, that's the trouble. Uh, look, have some more champagne. No, thanks. Our glasses are full already. Look, what is the trouble, Paul? She was on the verge of committing suicide twice. No. No, Paul. Fact. But why? Wish I knew. We thought she must be going out of her mind or something. But thank heaven she seems her old self again tonight. Looks like it anyway. Oh, let's talk about something else quickly. She's coming over. Uh, how are you making out with Victor Kratz these days? Oh, fine. He's a genius, you know. Uh -huh. Absolute genius. He's going to astonish the metal world very soon. They're in for a shock. Hello, dear. How goes it? I've not come over here to ask you to dance, Paul, darling. I'm grabbing David before Pat nips in and stops oh. me. Oh, go right ahead. Matter of fact, he's been dying for the opportunity to hold you in his arms ever since he got here. And who'd blame me? But I warn you, Red, when it comes to dancing, David's the original man with two left feet. <laughs> oh, no. chance it, come on. In which case, Paul, yeah? may I have the pleasure of this dance with you? I shall be honoured. Well, Red, you look very ravishing tonight. Oh, you always do, but tonight... You say the nicest things. Mind you, this frock is one that was designed to please all the men and annoy all the women. Oh, I see what you mean. I bet there are one or two bitchy remarks being made about it all the same. Still, David, you're a jeweller. Oh, law. Damn. I'm sorry, not to worry. Go on. Um, I'm a jeweller. Well, what's that got to do with a frock? Hmm? Well, if you've got any particularly appealing pieces of jewellery, you dress your window to show them to the best advantage, don't you? Surely. Same with my frock. <laughs> really, Mrs. Farley? And you, a respectable married woman. I don't know about a respectable married woman. A very worried one. No, I'm sorry about that. Look, let's go on to the terrace and you can tell me all about it, huh? Anyway, my dancing isn't what it should be. <laughs> ah, now then, what's on your mind? What's your worry? Hmm? No, David, you first. I gather you've something to worry about. Hmm? Well, just now, when I mentioned about your being a jeweller, anything serious? Oh, no, I just remembered it's Pat's birthday the day after tomorrow. Don't tell me you'd forgotten it until now. Oh, no, no, no. As a matter of fact, I've had a gold charm bracelet made for him. One of our old champs. He's retired now, but he made it for me. He's a wonderful craftsman. Oh, what are you worried about? Well, you see, I collected it today, and the old boy hadn't a jewel case to put it in. So he popped it into an empty cigarette box. Cigarette box? Hmm, an old hundred carton. Just remembered that in the rush to get changed in time, I put it on the signboard. Silly thing to do. Anybody could walk off with it. Well, your flat's locked, isn't it? That's the trouble. It isn't. Locks jammed somehow, and I can't fix it. You mean you do something about it for days. Still, there's always the porter on duty. Oh, well, if the bracelet's in a cigarette box, it's probably safer than if it was in a proper jewel box. Mm. Oh, well, let's stop worrying about it. Now, what's on your mind? David, tell me. You've worked with the police once or twice, haven't you? Why, yes. Inspector James and I are very good friends. Why? What would you advise a woman to do if her husband went around telling everybody she was going crazy and trying to commit suicide? It would depend how much truth there was in what the husband said. Do I act crazy to you? No. Do I seem like a depressive suicide type? Frankly, no. Last person on earth. Yet Paul and Lush Baker and Hugo, they all keep trying to convince me that twice they've caught me sleepwalking. And each time I've been in the act of trying to kill myself. You've been doing this in your sleep, you mean? So they say, and I don't believe it. Well, would you? But, uh, well, I mean, if they actually caught you in the act, well, 
maybe there's something in your subconscious. Oh, stuff and rubbish. I've never had a subconscious. Yes, but why on earth should they want to kid you that you're in a suicidal frame of mind if you're not? That's what I want to find out. And I think I've found out. There are several reasons. And one of them is coming across here with a gleam in her eye right now. She's going to excuse you. The blonde? Yes, Paul's secretary, Gloria Baker. Known to all and sundry as Lush. Short for Luscious, for obvious reasons. Mm, Paul knows how to pick his secretaries, doesn't he? Say that again. Anyway, this time she's going to be unlucky. Huh? Excuse me, Red. Pardon? I said excuse me. Oh, it's you, Lush. May I dance with Mr. Conway, please? I might have guessed it would be you. What do you mean? Well, whichever man I happen to have, you always like to try and take him away from me, don't you? I don't think that's very funny, Red. Uh, Mr. Conway? Uh, well, of course I'm I... sorry, Lush, but you'll have to wait until the next dance. I'm exercising a hostess's prerogative and I'm not allowing Mr. Conway to be excused. I see. How very embarrassing for you, Mr. Conway. Later, then, perhaps. Naughty of you, Red. I can be a lot naughtier than that where she's concerned. And she's got Paul completely under her thumb. Oh, rubbish. Every wife always imagined her husband's having an affair with his typist. They think it's a sort of occupational disease with secretaries. Oh, don't try to kid me, my sweet. I've lived too long. I was telling you, David, uh-huh. I'm worried. I, I honestly don't know what to do about the way Paul's acting. If he tells enough people that I keep trying to commit suicide, and then one day somebody does find me dead, well, people's minds will already be conditioned to the idea that I've killed myself. Whereas, in reality... In reality? What? In reality, Paul will most probably have done it. I want you to remember that, David. Don't ever forget it. I should never kill myself. Perhaps if anything should happen, you'll start the police investigations off on the right foot. You mean, however much it might look like suicide, it wouldn't in fact be suicide? No, David. It'd be murder. Come on, we better dance. I feel simply furious. Oh, Paul, don't make a fuss. This is a party. But the way she snubbed that poor secretary of mine. I'm sure she only did it jokingly because she didn't want to let David go. Deliberate snub. I saw Lush's expression when she came in from the terrace. She's very sensitive. Ah, there you are, Paul. Hello, Hugo. Uh, Pat. You know Hugo Norster, my foreign representative? Miss Pat Manners. Oh, oh, Pat and I have met. Mind you, I'm always glad of the opportunity to take her hand again. <clears throat> there is no hand I would rather hold. Well, let her have it back again when you finish with it, will you? Thank you. Uh, Paul, I think you should go and say a word to poor little Lush Baker. She seems upset. What did I tell you, Pat? Excuse me, will you? Red's behaving very badly. Of course. Miss Manners, uh, or may I call you Pat? You already have. May I have the privilege of the next dance? I'm so sorry. I, I promised it to David, and he's just coming over to oh, claim it. But, uh... Hello there, Pat, darling. Here he is, all in one piece. I didn't think you wanted to let him go at all. Privilege of the hostess. Guests should never excuse their hostess's partner. I'm afraid, though, Red, you've upset poor Lush. 
good. Uh, she was almost in tears. I'm sure Paul will very soon comfort her. After all, Rin, she is a very efficient secretary. And Paul's a very efficient comforter, so everybody should be happy. More champagne. Good night, Paul. Good night, Red. And thanks for a wonderful party. Glad you enjoyed it. Good night, Pat. Look after him. I will. Don't worry. Eh? Me? What's the matter with me? There's nothing the matter with you, David. I think you're sweet. <laughs> so one gathered. Good night. Your taxes arrived, Pat. Good night, Paul. Very good party. Oh, good night, sir. Awfully glad you could come after all. <laughs> Better late than never, hmm? Good night, Red, my dear. You look tired now. You should rest more. <laughs> Hark who's talking. Red's right, sir. You're overdoing it. Most exciting stage just now, Paul, my boy. Can't leave the work alone. Then why don't you let someone help you? Ah, it is one-man job until we make the tests. Oh, uh, Paul. Uh, yes? Can I have a ride home with someone, do you think? I have ordered a taxi, but uh, he doesn't come. I telephone to the place and it'll be uh, 20 minutes, uh, maybe half an hour. I cannot wait. Oh, just a sec, sir. Uh, David, Pat. Hello, what is it? You go Edgbaston Way, don't you? Sure, why? Could you drop Mr. Kratz? Uh, just off the Hagley Road and not so very far, really. Why, of course. Be a pleasure. Uh, that's our taxi, that one in front. You see, Pat's just getting in. Ah, that is most kind. Thank you, thank you. Uh, good night again, Paul, and you're so charming, wife. Oh, good night, sir. See you at the laboratory in the morning. And don't make it too early. You worked late tonight. Research work is like a drug, Paul. Once it has got into your system, you cannot leave it. But uh, take care for your good wife. She looks most weary. Good night, my dear. Good night, Mr. Kirk. You know, Pat Manners, of course, Mr. Grant. Yes, of course, we've met. Oh, yes, uh, we had the pleasure of dancing together. Most pleasant. But I thought I'd seen you in an enormous chauffeur-driven car, sir. I got a car and I got a chauffeur, yes. But uh, not to keep him uh, from his bed until this time to travel such a short distance. Better a taxi. Well, that's more considerate than a lot of people would be. Yes, I can be considerate for my chauffeur because I got nobody else to consider. No family, all dead. Oh, must be pretty lonely. Oh, I got my work. I lose my wife and my parents, but I got my work. And very important work, too. Important? You wait till you see the papers in three or four days. Wonderful thing to be on the verge of something new and revolutionary. Makes you not want to sleep, nor eat, nor, nor nothing. Only for working, working all the time. Steady, or you'll overdo it. Then everybody will have to mark time until you're well again. You watch it, Mr. Kratz. Oh, I shall not overdo it. My work is better than a tonic with me. Uh, the next road on the left, if you please. The next road on the left, brother. You know something Paul's wife read? I, I am worried for her. Something is wrong. Yes, we rather thought so. You know, Paul is not right to have that secretary woman living at the house. It makes trouble. Oh, she lives with the Farleys, does she? I didn't realize that. No, nor did I. Not to make things a bit awkward, especially if Paul really is attracted to the girl, as Red seems to think. Uh, my house is next but one on this side, Grimer. Uh, thank you so much for the ride. Most kind. 
Oh, please, let me share the cost of it. No, we oh, wouldn't please, no, 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 please, Only please. too pleased to help. Oh, thank you. It's been very nice having the opportunity of talking to you like this, Mr. Kratz. And don't work too hard on your experiments. Uh, when they are complete and finished, then I give a party to celebrate. It will be a party to celebrate the making of history in the world of metals. The invention of Kratz alloy, the metal of the future, my friends. You promise that you will come, please. Such a party is that. But all I was doing was trying to be polite to my hostess. Oh. For Pete's sake, be reasonable, Pat. I don't think I was having a mad affair with a woman. If you ask me, that's precisely the impression everyone did get. Complete and utter nonsense, and you know it. The trouble is, the champagne's gone sour on you, and you're taking it out of me. There's no need for you to get out on this floor. No, of course, if you're going to be childish about it. Well, your flat is on the floor above. When I escort a lady to a party, I see her home to her door afterwards. Well, all I can say is it's a pity you don't pay her the same amount of attention while she's at the party. Shut both the gates so people at the bottom can't call the lift. I have shut both the gates. I've used the lift before, remember? But to get back to Red. Oh, not again, dear, please. The subject really has been quite exhausted by now. No, seriously, Pat, I'm worried about her. We could all see that you were doing your best to reassure her, or comfort her, or something. Now, listen, you idiot. Red Farley's afraid she'll be dead in less than a week. You're not serious. Either dead or shut away in a mental home. Why else do you think I spend so much time talking to her? But, uh, so what Paul told us was true, then. She is in a depressed mental state. Yes, but not exactly in the way Paul keeps on suggesting. Oh, well, you tell me all about it in the morning. Oh, not making any coffee now. No, I'm not. And if I were, I couldn't very well ask you in at this time in the morning. Mm. Do you want us both thrown out of the flats or something? Besides, I'm tired. Oh, well, maybe you're right. Good night, sweetheart. Night. Sweet dreams. And you. I hope you spend all night dreaming that you're being chased across vast prairies by red-haired Amazons with carving knives. I think you're very beautiful, even when you're jealous. Jealous. Oh. <laughs> Good night, sweetheart. And I wouldn't swap you for all the redheads in Hollywood. Always assuming you had the opportunity. They're not all so uh, approachable as Red Farley. And what's more, David? Quiet. <clears throat> night, night. I fell into bed and virtually died. I'd had a very late night and quite a fair amount of champagne. And in spite of Pat's earnest hope that I should have horrible dreams, I didn't. Didn't see another redhead all night, with or without carving knives. But somebody seemed to have the idea that I was entertaining a lady with red hair and not just in my dreams. Uh, what the devil? Conway! <laughs> Oh, well, I've confound you. Do you hear? Oh, bless divine. Oh, what now? Oh, dear. And about time, too. Oh, what the dickens do you want? And why... Hey, you might have told me you've got a lady with you. Excuse me while I put on a dressing gown. Morning, Miss Baker. Good morning. That's better. Now, what's all this about? You can't come here at half past four in the morning and wake the entire building. You'll get me slung out. Where's Red? I beg your pardon? Look, look, speak slowly, will you? I'm not very bright yet. What's going on? Switch on the electrifier, would you, Miss Baker? Drink, Paul? Look, Conway, let's stop fooling around. Where's my wife? How the should I know where your wife is? You live with her, not me. At least, that was the impression I got. Let me explain. Paul, 
Mr. Farley's too upset, and quite naturally. After all, his wife has been behaving rather oddly just lately, and this is just about the last straw, I think. And where do you come into it, Miss Baker, if that's not an embarrassing question? If you're just stalling for time while Red makes her getaway... Oh, stop talking like a fool. I saw Red last when she was with you, saying goodnight to everybody. Yet her car's outside. Outside where? Outside this block of flats. Just a little way down the road. You're sure it's her car? I do happen to know the number of my wife's car. Let me explain, Mr. Conway. Back at the house after all the guests had gone, there was something of a row. Oh, Red was unreasonable and very rude. To cut a long story short, she insisted on sleeping in the guest room. About four o'clock, Lush heard a car start up, looked through the window and saw Red's car going down the drive. She woke me and we found that Red had gone. We threw on some clothes, got into my car... And, and... came here. Why? Why come here? We played a hunch. And when we saw her car parked outside, we thought we hit on the right answer. I still think we have. Where is she, Conway? I haven't seen her, and that's honest truth. But just a minute. What about the doorkeeper? The, the night porter downstairs? Oh, he was fast asleep. Had to wake him. Naturally, he'd seen no one. Yes, but Red didn't even know the number of my flat. There's a huge board downstairs giving the names and numbers of all the residents. Oh, yes, of course there is. But why on earth did you imagine she'd come here? Don't be naive, Conway. It was plain to everyone that you couldn't leave each other alone at the party. Leaving that for the moment. Excuse me while I use the house phone. Hello? Yes, who is it? No, Pat, David here. Oh, look, can't a girl... And now, just a second, Pat. Seen Red Farley? What? Uh, has Red Farley been to see you he since I left you at your door? Oh, now, look, David, what is all this? She wouldn't come and see me. She's not with you now, I mean. She most certainly is. Okay, good night, dear. But, David, what on earth... I had a nasty dream, like you said. But it's all right. Go back to sleep, and I'll tell you all about it in the morning. Well, she's not with Pat. We hardly expected she would be. Oh, stop making ridiculous insinuations. Paul is a good chap. You must admit that going on circumstantial evidence, we had every reason... Miss to... Baker, I don't know what the code of behaviour among your particular set is, but neither Red Farley nor I are in the habit of conducting this sort of affair. Now, forget it. Well, really? No need to vent your spite on Lush. And tell her not to spill her nasty little mind over my carpet, would you? Obviously, Red's run off somewhere because you quarrelled, Paul. Where she's gone to, I don't know. But this sort of thing isn't new. It's happened before. It'll doubtless happen again. So long as husbands give their wives cause to run away. Now, listen, Conway. But I, I'm going back to bed. If you've got any sense, you two will do the same. But there's no one else in the house now. Red's gone. So what? I can't stay alone with Mr. Farley. There are dozens of hotels around. Birmingham's full of them. Paul, you're perfectly liberty to search my flat as much as you like, but Red hasn't been here. I give you my word. Red has been in this room recently. What? Are you calling me a liar? I'm just saying that whether you knew about it or not, Red has been in here recently. What makes you so sure, Lush? I can smell her perfume. It's very faint, but it's there. It's some perfume I gave her for Christmas. It's called Danger. Well, I can't smell it. And even if the flat was smothered in the stuff, I still haven't seen Red. As I say, if you want to make a search... Oh, she'll have gone by now. Does this flat look out onto the main road? Yes. And we can see from here whether her car's gone. <sighs> well? No. It's still there. In which case, all you have to do is park yourselves alongside it and wait for her to come back. Or, alternatively, go back home and sort the whole business out when she returns. But whatever you two do, I'm going back to bed. Good night.
I'll come away from the window for five minutes, Pat, and have a cup of coffee. I've had breakfast, thanks. At a respectable hour, too. Mm, well, I had a disturbed night. So it would appear. But how you can sit there gobbling bacon and eggs when all this mysterious business is going on, I'm hanged if I know. What mysterious business? Well, Red disappearing like this. Well, just because a car's parked there with the lights on at 10 o'clock in the morning doesn't mean to say she's disappeared. She may have other friends beside ourselves living in these flats. She had a row with Paul and probably came here to spend the night. Hmm. You know, that girl Baker was right, though. Hmm? There is a very faint trace of that perfume in here, David. Oh, Lord, don't you start. Well, there is. Can't you smell it? No. Lush Baker's been here. You're here now. You all use perfume and so on. But Red's was a distinctive sort of perfume. I think it was... Hello. Police car, David. Just drawn up outside the flat. Huh? It's Inspector James. And he's got Paul Farley and that horrible Hugo Norston man with him. Oh, Lord, now what? Are they coming in? They're in. I bet you they're coming to see you. Hmm. So, if you've got Red locked up in the trunk, dear, somewhere, you'd better come clean about it. In the middle of breakfast, too. No consideration, some people. That was the lift. They're coming here, all right. I say, you, you don't think anything serious really has happened to Red, do you? Oh, Inspector James wouldn't be working on the affair if it wasn't serious, would he? Uh, all of a sudden, I don't like this business, Pat. Let him in, would you? OK. Oh, good morning, Pat. Good morning, Inspector. David, home? Yes, yes, he is. Come right in. Morning, Paul. Morning, Mr. Norris. Morning. Morning, good morning. But, uh, formal, Pat, last night you called me Hugo. Come in, everybody. Now, uh, what's all this about? A cup of coffee? No, thanks. This isn't a social call, David. Paul Farley's wife is missing. I knew that at 4.30 this morning. But why come to tell me about it? Nothing to do with me, as I told Paul and his lady friend in the early hours. Miss Baker happens to be my secretary. In which case, I hope she's not union-minded. Why? She works very late hours. This is not the matter for joking, Mr. Conway. Red has vanished. What's it got to do with you anyway, Mr. Norton? Listen, do you mind stopping the cross-talk for a few minutes while I ask a question or two? No, go ahead. But I warn you, I can't help. I don't know where the woman is, honestly, Inspector. Well, according to Mr. Farley and his secretary, she must have been here during the night. I resent that imputation, Inspector. I told Paul, and I'm telling you, that neither Mrs. Farley nor I am in the habit of conducting that sort of liaison. However much I might sympathise with the lady. What do you mean, sympathise? Work it out. Now, look, David, let's get down to rock bottom on this business. Mrs. Farley must be found, and found quickly. Then find her. I'm not stopping you. Farley here has been working with bits of cracks on a new metal. Yes, I gather. Mrs. Farley knows a little about it. She could have been kidnapped. But who'd do that? Anyone who wanted to find out more about the new metal. I see. So this business could be far more serious than a mere case of a squabble between a husband and wife, David. Yes, yes, I do see that. So if you do know anything, Conway, speak up. Well, I don't. I honestly don't. Mrs. Farley never came here last night at all. She didn't? Mm -hmm. Well, I must say, I don't care much for the suggestion that she did. Lush Baker said she could smell her perfume in this flat. If you prefer to accept the evidence of Miss Baker's nose rather than my word, that's up to you, of course. Now, now, don't let's start off again. Look, let's all sit down and talk sensibly and try to help. <sighs> yes, yes, a very good idea, Pat. Now, we all like Red, and none of us wants to see anything happen to her. So, for goodness sake, let's all work together and try to get something done. For her sake. That, that's the first sensible remark that's been made for some time. Thanks, Inspector. Cigarette? Oh, Pat, leave that box alone. Don't open it. But why ever not? Don't I? open it, I said. You'll be sorry if you do. It's too late, you old miser. I have... Oh, David. No, I told you not to open it, you idiot. Now you've spoiled everything. Oh, David. 
What are you talking about? Don't you like what's inside? Like it? Look! Why, it's... It's full of hair. Red hair. Only one woman I know has hair like that. My wife, Red. I knew it. I knew you were hiding something. Conway, you swine, what have you done with my wife? But... But I don't believe it. Stop the bewildered act, Conway. You knew what was in that box. Well, I thought I knew. You mean you didn't know that hair was in a cigarette box? Well, of course I didn't. What do you think? I think you did. More fool you, then. Well, if you didn't know, why did you try to prevent Pat from opening the box? Because I thought it contained something else. What? A charm bracelet. You know the sort of thing. A gold chain with five charms hanging from it. <laughs> a likely story. Oh, you, you mean for my birthday tomorrow, Dave? Yes. And now someone's taken the bracelet and replaced it with... with this. And that's what it looks like, Inspector. But why? Why should anybody do uh, that? Just a second, Mr. Farley, do you mind? Pat. Yes? Did you notice any trace of Mrs. Farley's perfume in the room here? A woman would be more likely to notice it than a man. Well, to be honest, I did think I could smell it, yes. Oh. And Miss Baker noticed it, too. She mentioned it, Paul. I've already told the inspector that. So it rather looks as though she did visit the flat. In between the time the party ended and the time you got here with Miss Baker. Of course she visited the flat. Yet David says she didn't. Oh, well, let me put it this way. If she did, then I didn't see her. That doesn't seem very likely, does it? It doesn't seem very likely that anyone in their right mind would cut off their hair and... Well, go on, David. It doesn't matter. I think I know why he stopped short just then. Why? Because he's hit on the answer to the mystery and he's disinclined to put it forward. What on earth do you mean by that? Let me explain. Conway just said, it doesn't seem very likely that anyone in their right mind would cut off their hair and put it in a cigarette box. Well? I'm afraid that is the answer. That red is out of her mind, you mean? It would tie up with the way she has been behaving lately. Let me say here and now that in my opinion, Red Farley was, is, as sane as anyone in this room. You don't know the true facts so far as that particular problem is concerned, do you, old man? No, I don't, old man. But I've got a pretty shrewd suspicion. Well, you just said yourself it was a crazy thing to do. Well, you're suggesting that Red came here and did it herself, you mean? But why? Why should she do a fantastic thing like that? That's what we have to find out, isn't M it? Mr. Conway seems to think there is reason behind the action rather than a complete lack of reason amounting to a mental disorder. Uh, right, Mr. Conway? Right, Mr. Norston. Then suppose you try to explain this reason, will you? <sighs> well, I wish I had a clue. But as I didn't see Red when she came here, if she came here. What do you mean, if she came here? Lush Baker and I followed her, didn't we? So you said when you got here. Her car was parked outside. Lush Baker could have done that. I don't understand. No, nor me, David. What are you driving at? Paul and Mr. Norston, in fact, most of you, seem to be casting doubts on the truthfulness of my statements. Right. Suppose I cast a bit of doubt on theirs. Go on, David. Suppose Miss Baker did drive Red's car to this block of flats, and then they both rushed up here and accused me of entertaining Red. Suppose Miss Baker was using Red's perfume to establish her presence. Suppose, while I was phoning Pat at four o'clock this morning, they did a switch with a bracelet and a red hair. You see what I mean? Just exactly what are you driving at, David? I'm only pointing out that on the flimsiest circumstantial evidence, I seem to be accused of having an affair with another man's wife, cutting off her hair and putting it in a prominent place where anyone's likely to find it, and then making false statements to the police. Well, I don't like that very much. Maybe I'm not the one who's making the false statements, that's all. Very clever. The best method of defence is attack, eh? Exactly. Well, can you think up any reason why Paul might want to behave in that way, David? Very easily. Now, listen here. Uh, go on, David. He could be having a grand affair himself with Lush Baker, 
And they could both be only too anxious to put Red away into a mental home or somewhere else out of the way. Conway, are you standing there and accusing me? Well, you're standing there and accusing me? It's the same thing, isn't it? As an impartial witness, I must say that I saw Red making a great fuss of you last night, Mr. Conway. Even Miss Manners here was angry about it. Red wanted to talk to me urgently and privately. She was a very worried woman. Why was she worried? I told you, Inspector. Red has been behaving very oddly. I'm addressing my questions to Mr. Conway at the moment. <sighs> she said she was afraid that her husband was trying to put her into a mental home. Presumably, so that he could be free to continue his romance with Miss Baker. That's so fantastic, I can't even believe that Red said it, Inspector. Pure invention on Conway's part. Oh, no, it isn't. David told me that last night when I tackled him about spending most of his time with Red. Red told David she was afraid of you, Paul. David just hasn't made that up. Then that only proves once again what we've been saying all along. Poor Red is madly jealous of Miss Baker, and it has turned her brain. The important thing now is that Mrs. Farley is missing. Find her, and most of the other questions will sort themselves out, one way or another. But, but you surely don't believe these theories of Conway's, do you, Inspector? My dear man, they're no more fantastic than your theories about Mr. Conway, are they? I see. Conway is a friend of yours, of course, isn't he? He is, yes. But continue with any implications of that nature, Mr. Farley, and you won't be a friend of mine. Oh, I beg your pardon, Inspector. Naturally, I'm a bit upset. But, but if Conway has no idea what's happened to Red, where can she be? We've already put the usual machinery into motion. In the meantime, if you'll carry on at home or at your place of business, and if I should want you, or you, David, I'll contact you. Oh, anything I can do, of course. I'm only too anxious to help. You know that, Inspector. Now, about that bracelet, David. Was it valuable? Well, it was gold, and one or two of the charms had precious and semi-precious stones. It's definitely missing. Of course, it was in that box. Well, you'd better let me have a detailed description, will you? Well, Inspector, Hugo and I will be getting along. <laughs> Sorry we got a bit hasty, David, but, but I am rather on edge, naturally. Mm, very understandable. Mm, that's all right. Uh, Mr. Farley. Yes? Don't worry too much at this stage. I have both your phone numbers in case I want to get in touch. Oh, uh, Inspector, one point. Yes? Don't overlook the suicide angle. She's tried twice already. Oh, Paul, really? I'll bear what you say in mind, Mr. Farley. Good morning. Oh, uh, what about my wife's car, Inspector? Oh, leave it where it is for the time being, will you? I'll see that it's looked after. You're not coming along yet? No. If anything develops, I'll let you know, Mr. Farley. Very well. Come along, Hugo. All right. Morning, everyone. Good morning. Morning. Well, if you don't mind my saying so, David, you seem to be very determined to make this case far more complicated than it would appear. That's not the attitude you took at first, is it? No. But at first I didn't realise there was a jealousy motive involved. It rather alters things. But you said yourself that red might be useful to anyone who was interested in this new metal that Paul Farley's been working on. The metal Mr. Kratz has invented. Kratz alloy. Yes. Yes, that's the real worry. Does Paul himself think he's anything to do with the new metal? Red disappearing, I mean. No. No, Farley's convinced she's gone off the rails mentally, as you heard him say. Inspector, last night Red Farley said, David, if anything should happen to me, no matter how much it may look like suicide, it won't be suicide. It'll be murder. And Paul most probably be the murderer. Yes, well, you know, David, that does suggest a mind that's... Ah, a bit near the edge, doesn't it? Yeah, persecution mania, Pat. It's often found in cases of this sort, especially where jealousy is involved as well. But why did she come here? Why did she cut off her hair? Why steal the bracelet? What conceivable use could that be to her? Uh, first things first. Now, could she have gained admittance to this flat 
without you letting her in yourself? Oh, yes, the lock's jammed. Uh, they mean to get it fixed for Dave. But Red yeah. didn't know that. Oh, she did. I told her at the dance. Well, really, <laughs> no, Dave. hang on, sweetheart. Don't jump to any conclusions. Yes, sir. I, um, I do see Pat's point. Now, I told her about the lock at the same time that I told her about the bracelet being in a cigarette box on the sideboard. Told her that too? Why? Well, you see, as I was dancing with Red, I suddenly remembered that that's what I'd done with it. Well, she'd said she was worried. I was trying to take her mind off her anxieties, so I said I had worries too, and that was one of them. Hmm, that's interesting. But why come here and go off again without saying anything? Yes, and why cut off that wonderful hair? That's what I keep coming back to all the time. Hmm. To make herself less conspicuous if she was going into hiding? Could be. Do you, do you happen to know her history? History? Hmm, her war history. She was with the counter-espionage people, you know. I did know, actually. I didn't? You know, one of those things people don't talk about much, Pat. We were getting saboteurs in the steelworks. She helped to round up quite a few of them. Did some very useful work as a barmaid in the district. Golly, Brett Farley of all people. Yes, that's why I don't see her as a potential suicide or a jealous, lovesick lunatic. It just doesn't add up. Mm, I agree. There's something here I don't like, David. Mm. Mm, but I must be off. Oh, but first of all, give me the details of that charm bracelet, will you? If it turns up, it might give us a lead. Right. Now, it was a thin golden chain with five charms hanging from it. What were the charms, darling? Sounds lovely. Uh, there was a monkey with two tiny emerald eyes. Oh, that's sweet. An elephant with two ruby eyes. Uh, a tiny champagne bottle in a bucket of ice. Oh, no. And a little golden dice with brilliance for the spots. Now, how many is that? Four. Oh, yes. And a little golden Buddha. Mm, sounds very nice. Let's hope we get it back for you. If I should want to contact you, David, um, you'll be around, will you? Mm, either here or at the office. Uh, Pat and I will be lunching at the Gantry House Club. Golly, going all expensive, aren't we? It's my birthday tomorrow, you know, not today. You've got a client to see, then. Um, David, you'll mm. uh, just be around in case you're wanted. You won't actually be working on the job, will you? Who, me? Hmm. Whatever made you say that, Inspector? Yes, why say that? Because, for various reasons, this case may be trouble enough to sort out without the um, interference of a couple of enthusiastic amateurs. Uh, do you see what I mean? But of course. Hmm. So do me a favour, will you, David? Anything you say. Right. Don't lunch at the Gantry House Club. But why ever not? Because Victor Kratz lunches there every day. As if you didn't know. <sighs> well, fancy that now. Hmm, I said, as if you didn't know. I heard you say it. So, uh, where will you be lunching, David? At Lorenzo's, if you insist. Mm, I do insist. This case is going to give me enough headaches without any extra problems provided by you two. Lorenzo's, then. Right, that's a promise. Finger wet, finger dry, cut our throats if we tell a lie. Now, don't talk about throats being cut, David, even in fun. I've got a nasty feeling about this business. Red hair has never brought me anything but bad luck. Let's hope it won't be the same so far as you're concerned. have cooked something in the flat, saved all the expense of lunching at this place. We said we'd lunch at Lorenzo's, so here we are. Now, our guest should be in the bar. Guest? What guest is this? A oh, chap I invited to lunch. But who? You never said. You'll see. Oh, there he is, look, at the far end. Where? But... Oh, oh, dear. Uh, good morning, sir. Jolly good of you to come. Nice of you to ask me. Ah, oh, what a business, Mr. Conway. What a trouble. 
Or Mrs. Farley. Yes, I agree. Look, suppose we have an aperitif for a minute or two while we order lunch and then go straight through and have it. We can talk better at the table. You have some private talk, hmm? You are not satisfied with things as they appear. No. No, I'm not a bit satisfied. Um, two medium sherries, please. Uh, what is it you're drinking, sir? Gin and French. And one gin and French. I know the whole story so far, Mr. Conway. Do you think Red Farley is mentally unbalanced? Or that she's killed herself? As to that, I can only accept the judgment of those who are closer to her than myself. They have evidence... Which I, for one, can't accept. Then you must have a reason. And that reason being Paul's infatuation for the Baker girl. Hmm? Yes, partly that. But Red surely wouldn't have the idea that Paul might kill her just because of his affair with Lush Baker. There must be something else. And this something else is why you asked me to lunch here at Lorenzo's with you. So? I just don't see how Mr. Kratz can be involved. Well, what I want to ask you is this, sir. Would Red Farley know enough about your new metal to make it worth anybody's while to kidnap her? Most decidedly not. Even if Paul himself were kidnapped, no one would be any wiser. It is I they must kidnap. All right, put it another way. Suppose someone approached you and offered you Red's safety in exchange for any information. What would be your reaction? I should be regretfully sorry for Mrs. Farley, but I should be unable to help. My new formula is worth more than one person's life. Even if they threaten torture and so on? It would not alter my frame of mind. What if they did kidnap you? <laughs> I am an old man. Oh, you're not old. Oh, let us say, old in experience and in sadness, Miss Manners. The one thing I live for is the completion of my work which belongs to this country. No amount of persuasion would force me to hand over this work to anyone else. Rest assured of that. All of which makes it very doubtful that Red's disappearance has anything to do with Mr. Kratz and his new metal. Unless, of course, they think that Paul Farley might have the necessary information and be prepared to hand it over in exchange for his wife. <laughs> Not much chance for that, I would say. Well, thanks very much, Mr. Kratz. And I won't spoil your lunch by asking any more questions. All your theories exploded, David? Back when you started? No. No, not quite. But they've narrowed down to one theory now. One theory that would fit all the circumstances and explain everything. Visitors, not at half past eight at night without warning, surely. Probably one of the neighbours complaining they've had enough Beethoven for one night. Well, you said Beethoven helped you to think. I'm not complaining. Oh, see what it is, Pat, there's an angel. Will I switch this thing off? Oh, one thing, there will be somebody to talk to. All you've done since dinner is sit and gaze into space. I did invite you to join me on the settee. I thought you'd be safer thinking alone. Oh, it's you, Paul. And Miss Baker. Come in. What's the game, Conway? What's the big idea? What are you playing at? Oh, off we go again. I wish I knew what you were talking about. You lunch with Kratz today. Who says? I say. And you needn't deny it because I happen to have checked at Lorenzo's. Well, any reason why we shouldn't lunch with Victor Kratz? What have you been telling him about me? Nothing he didn't already know. What does that mean? 
We talked about Red's disappearance, but he already knew all about it. Mr. Kratz has been most distant towards Mr. Farley and to me all the rest of today. So we think you're responsible. Well, I can promise you we're not. Why lunch with Kratz, anyway? What has he got to do with anything that's happened? Nothing at all. Then why see him unless you're trying to turn him against me? Just as you tried to turn the inspector against me with your phony deductions. No, sit down for a minute and have a drink. We don't want to sit down, thank you. I was speaking to your employer, not to you, Miss Baker. Oh, poor speaker. All right, Lush, all right, hold on a minute. Now, look, Conway, you said something at lunchtime to Victor Kratz, and as a result, his whole attitude towards me has changed. He, <laughs> well, he's almost suspicious of me. Surely not. How did you know we'd lunch together, anyway? I wanted to contact Mr. Kratz at lunchtime, and I tried the Gantry House Club. Then his secretary told me he was lunching at Lorenzo's. With you. Anyway, you must have said something. Kratz's whole attitude towards me has changed in a few hours. And I'm making an official complaint to Inspector James about it, I warn you. Oh, don't be so pompous, Paul. I'm just not standing for this sort of thing. My, my whole job depends on my working amicably with Kratz. Well, if you're so sure something's wrong, why not ask him what's the matter? Why come to us? Because I can put two and two together. That's why. No, excuse me. Hello. Hello. Who's that? Conway is speaking. Conway, eh? This is Johnny Johnson. Johnny Johnson? Well, who are you? I keep a pub near the Iron and Steelworks. Ask anybody. They'll tell you where Johnny Johnson's place is. Yes. Well, what can I do for you? I'm doing something for you. Like to see a little gold elephant with two ruby eyes? A, a, a little gold elephant? Why, why, yes. Yes, I would. Thought you might. Why not come and collect it? Where did you get it? Who gave it to you? Suppose you come across and have a little chat, eh? Johnny Johnson's pub. Everybody knows it. All right. I'll be there in half an hour. I'll be waiting. Well, I'll be... What do you make of that? Gold elephant? A little gold elephant? Why, that's one of the charms from that bracelet. The one red exchange for those locks of hair. That's right, Paul. But, David, who's got it? Johnny Johnson. Whoever Johnny Johnson is, he keeps a pub. Everybody knows Johnny Johnson's pub. It's by the works. Has he got it? The, the gold elephant, I mean. Well, it seems like it. Then what are we waiting for? Bring your car and follow ours. Well, we could all go in one car, for that matter. Oh, better bring yours. Lush and I will probably be going into the works afterwards. And in any case, we shouldn't be coming back this way. Oh, of course, we'd hate to interrupt anything, naturally. Come on, David, don't sit there thinking. This is exciting. We might be on Red's trail at last. Sure, sure, I'm coming. All right, let's go. Tell the hall porter to phone the police and leave a message for Inspector James to let him know where we are. I'll get my hat and coat. As you say, Pat, this could be exciting. Oh, that's the pub. And there are the works down the road there. Right. Let's see what Johnny Johnson's got to say for himself. Oh, by the way, Paul. Yes? Seen anything of Inspector James since you were at the flat this morning? No. No, I haven't. Why? I wondered whether he contacted you at all. Why should he, Mr Conway? Any special reason? Mrs Farley happens to be missing, or wouldn't that seem an adequate reason to you? I don't see why you have to be so rude to me all the time. What have I done? Oh, sorry. After you, Pat. In we go. We're being inspected by the regulars. Mm, don't take any notice. Oh, let me get these. What do you have? No, no, no. This is my shout. I'm the one who uh, dragged you out here. Good evening, ladies and gents. Evening. What can I do for you? Paul, Miss Baker? Oh, scotch, please. Lush will take gin and tonic, I expect. Yes, please. Lots of tonic. Yes, that'll suit me, David, too, please. Right. Two scotch and two gin and tonic, please. Thank you, sir. Coming right up. Oh, hello, Joe, lad. You ready for another? Find a mix, Johnny. What about your mate? Ah, uh, not this time, he says. Sure? Just asked him. Definitely not this time, he says. I'll bring yours over. Hey, don't mind. I can wait. 
Evening, Apis. Good evening. Strangers in these parts? Uh, from Brum. Not too far away, really. Brum? Huh. I'd be another country. <laughs> <laughs> Different as York and she's as the black country's concerned. That's right, Johnny, eh? Right enough, Joe. <laughs> Here you are. Here's your pint of mixed. Uh, Tell your pal I know just how he feels. Too many in one night can give you an awful headache. My oath. Ah, <laughs> oh, Johnny. I'll finish me game of dominoes with old misery there. <laughs> Got hangover he has. Party last night. <laughs> Bloke getting married. Poor perisher. <laughs> that's nothing ever party about. I could have told him that. Slavery, that's what marriage is. Slavery. <laughs> And there you are, sir. Ah, good. Two scotch, two gin and tonics. Eight shillings altogether. Soda or water on the table there. Thank you. Uh, my name's Conway, David Conway. Oh, yes, sir. Pleased to meet you. Uh, you're Johnny Johnson, aren't you? That's right, sir. That's me. Well, you phoned me half an hour ago in connection with a little gold elephant, remember? I beg pardon, sir. Come again. About half an hour ago, you phoned me in connection with a little gold elephant with two ruby eyes. Not me, sir. But you're Johnny Johnson. Lots and lots of Johnsons about. Very common name. Hey, Pat, Paul, here a sec. What did we come here for? Because this chap phoned you. Yes, what about? About the gold elephant. No, sir. I'm very sorry, but it wasn't me. Oh, Johnny Johnson's pub near the Iron and Steel Works, that's you, isn't it? That's me, all right, but I never made any phone call. I've been serving in the bar all night. Ask anybody. Look, I can even recognise your voice. Nothing particularly unusual about my voice, sir. Somebody's been having you on, I reckon. You mean you know nothing about any gold elephant? But that's ridiculous. Well, if anybody should know, he should, shouldn't he? Thank you, miss. I'm sorry about all this, but it looks like a practical joke to me. Some people have got a funny sense of humour. Ever meet anybody with flaming red hair? Red hair and green eyes? Ever see a woman like that in this pub of yours, Mr Johnson? Not since the war, sir. During the war, we had a barmaid working here, name of Railton, Red Railton. We called her Red because of her hair, you know. Railton was my wife's maiden name. Get away now, sir. We got a picture of her behind the bar here, look. There she is. That's Red, all right. She's vanished, Mr. Johnson. She's what? She's missing. Why, that's bad, sir. Always such a bundle of life, Red was. Great favourite with the regulars here. I hope nothing's happened to her. Anything I can do to help? Well, we were hoping you'd be able to help us because of the phone message. Oh, that's a mystery and no mistake, that is, sir. Funny they should mention this very pub. Mm. Anyway, you've not seen her and you know nothing about a little gold elephant. Nothing at all, sir. I'm sorry. I only wish I could help. But if you do find Red... Tell her Johnny wishes to be remembered very kindly to her, will you? Yes, sir, what's yours? Very good, sir. One bit one step. So where do we go from here? Oh, home, I suppose. No point in sticking around. Of all the disappointments, I really thought we were on to something. Can't understand why we got the phone call, can you? I mean, of all the places to suggest we should come, this very pub where Red used to work. Now, whoever made the phone call must have known that. There must be a connection of some sort. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Pat, can you see Paul's car? Yes, he's turned off. Taking the Walsall Road. Sure? Yep. Going back to the pub? You bet. Thought you would. That chap, Johnny Johnson, was lying. You think so? Certain of it. He made the phone call all right, but he wouldn't talk while Paul and Lush Baker were there. That's the answer. Bet you any money. I couldn't agree more, David. And I can tell you why, too. Huh? Did you hear that other man order a pint of mixed and say that his pal wouldn't drink? Not this time. Yes. Two men in one night can give you a headache, eh? That was a signal from Johnny to keep his mouth shut, you think? I know it was. Well, you don't know. You suspect. I know, I tell you. 
Come on, David, quick, let's get back there before it's too late. Well, I'm turning as quick as I can. Hey, Martin, there's a car coming. Watch it, David. Oh, heck, I didn't see that one. Oh, bet he said a few words. You nearly turned right across his bonnet. <laughs> OK, now. Ah, now, watch your little hunch. Wait till we get back to the pub. I noticed something you didn't. And I noticed something you didn't. You know the little gold elephant? Yes. How did Paul Farley know anything about it? As soon as I mentioned the word gold elephant, he knew exactly what I was talking about. How? Well, you told him this morning. Oh, no, I didn't. I told the inspector after Paul and Norston had left. Of course, that's right, so you did. And Paul hasn't seen the inspector since because you asked him. Now, that's odd. Very odd. Yes, but I know something that's even odder. Step on it, David. We might be too late. Oh, it's you two again. The name's Conway, remember? And this is Miss Manners. Well, of course I remember. I've been expecting you. You have? Come on through into the living quarters. Good. Carry on clearing them out, George. It's past time. This way, Mr. Conway. Now then, where were we? It was you who phoned, wasn't it? Correct. And you've got the little gold elephant? Correct. And you know where Red Farley is? Correct again, David. What makes you so sure, miss? Because a quarter of an hour ago in your bar parlour, there was a man sitting playing dominoes. He refused to drink because he got a hangover. He was holding his head so I couldn't see his face, but as I went out, I saw his eyes. Oh, you did? Yes. They were bright green. What? It wasn't a man at all. It was Red Farley disguised as a man, correct, Mr. Tom? Correct, Miss Manners. Oh, where is she now, then? Try the room down there, first on the left. Oh, you were right, Pat. Well done. Oh, now then, Red, why on earth you... But... But I don't understand. Is this a joke? What is the matter, Mr. Conway? You're looking for somebody, maybe? What's wrong, David? Isn't Red there? No, only Victor Kratz. I don't get this at all, sir. What's going on? I'll leave you to it, Mr. Kratz, sir. I'll be clear in the pub if you want me. Thank you. Please shut the door, Mr. Conway, and sit down. Uh. But, but Mr. Johnson said we should find Red here. Do you know where she is? You see this envelope? There is an address on it. And inside the envelope, for you, I think, Mr. Conway. The little gold elephant. Thank you. You are, Pat, the first instalment toward your birthday bracelet. But I still don't understand. I'm sure Mr. Kratz has an explanation for us. I must say, sir, you were the very last person I expected to bump into here. I came uh, here as you did, uh, from the result of a telephone call. Uh, this uh, Charlie Johnson phoned and told me if I came here, a certain young woman would have some vitally important information. Mm, our friend Johnny Johnson has a sense of the melodramatic, it seems. Mm, like yourselves, probably, I thought at first it might be a joke. However, I duly arrived here a few seconds after you had left. Did you see Red? Unfortunately, no. According to Mr. Johnson, the arrival of her husband and Miss Baker so alarmed her that she left at once. Leaving an address where we might find her. And so it would appear. Oh, dear. Mr. Kratz, what do you think about it all? I wonder whether maybe our friend Paul is right. Maybe the poor lady is, you know, not quite... Uh... Excuse me, but I wondered if you might be wanting a drink before I shut the bar. Uh, for me, no, thank you. Nor us, thanks. No, and we'd better get along to this address. Uh, do you know where this house is, Mr. Johnson? I should. It happens to be my property. 
Maybe you can tell us more than anyone about Red Farley's activities. Maybe. Then, Mr. Johnson, for her sake and for the sake of a great many more people, perhaps you will be good enough to explain what lies behind this rather unpredictable behavior of our friend. I'd rather she did that for herself. Do you know what's behind it all? She's hinted at one or two things. She worked with you during the war, I understand. That's right. So that you probably know her better than most people. I did in those days. What? Do you mean she's changed? Put it this way. I can't understand the red I used to know, ever cutting off all that lovely hair and disguising herself as a man. Um, when you say she's changed, do you mean she's, well, a little unstable? I wouldn't like to say. She never used to be anything but sane and sensible. But now you have your doubts. No. No, I think she's all right. Speaking personally, I think there's nothing more than a bit of commoner garden jealousy behind all this. Mm, it does make things very difficult. One hardly knows what action to take next. Well, I think the best thing we can do is try and see her. Yes, I agree. That address she's given you is a bit of property of mine. The house is empty at the moment, just about to sell it. She wanted somewhere quiet. You don't mean to say that Red's living in an empty house? No. She'll tell you all about it when she sees you. Joe's looking after her, the chap who was in the bar with her. You coming, Mr. Kratz? I feel I must. But look, if anything should turn up so that they try to stick her into some sort of nursing home or institution, well, don't let them do it. Me and the missus will take care of her. She knows us. She'd feel at home here. Well, that's very good of you, Mr. Johnson. Somehow I don't think it'll be necessary. Because I'm still convinced that Red is in possession of all her senses and is acting intelligently. I'm convinced. That's the spirit, sir. With a few pals like us round her, she'll be all right. Don't you fret. Now then, let me tell you how to get to this place. It hasn't been empty more than a few days. I'll let you have the key. When you go out of the pub car park, you turn sharp right. Number 73, this is it. You think it's all right to leave the car here? No, no, better park it down the street, round the next corner, maybe. Don't want to be too conspicuous in case... In case what, Mr. Conway? I don't honestly know, sir, but this whole affair is getting curiouser and curiouser all the time. You see, what I don't like about this business is, as I was telling Pat, the fact that somehow Paul Farley knew all about the gold charm bracelet and knew at once just what the little gold elephant was. Yet we didn't tell him, and the inspector didn't tell him. Hey, just a second. Look, Mr. Kratz, when we lunched with you, we told you what the charms were on the bracelet because you were interested. That's a fault, sir. Did you happen to mention the bracelet to Paul when you were talking to him? No, no, Mr. Conway. As a matter of fact, I spoke very little to Paul Farley following our meeting at lunchtime. Yes, Paul and his secretary noticed that fact. They blamed us for it. Ah, well, this'll do, I think. Now, let's see what the lady in question will have to say for herself. Try the light switches, David. Can't see them. Hang on a sec. Ah, here we are. No. Either turned off the main switch or there are no bulbs. Red. Red. Are you there, Red? You don't suppose maybe she is here, but cannot answer. That's a cheerful thought. Better try all the rooms in case, though. Mm, nothing in here. There's a room at the back. And what looks like a kitchen, David? Can't think why the Dickens Red is so anxious to keep herself hidden. Oh! What an odd thing. 
An empty house yet still connected by phone. Probably a wrong number. Or someone who didn't know the people had moved out. Soon see anyway. Hello? That you, David? Red? Red Farley? Yes. You mean it's actually Red? My goodness. David, it is you. Yes, sorry, Red. Just getting my breath back. A bit of a shock. Now, what on earth is all this about? Mr. Kratz is with you, isn't he? Yes, he's here. Do you want to speak to him? Just a minute. Where are you, and why haven't you met us here as arranged? I'm speaking from a call box. I didn't stay at the house because you've been followed, David. Followed? There are two men outside the house waiting at this very minute. Probably my husband and Hugo Norston. But what's going on? Oh, I know everybody thinks I'm raving mad, David, but you must trust me and help me as much as you can. What do you want us to do? There's a big circus on the waste ground near the Astron Works, about half a mile along the main Walsall Road. Yes, what about it? Secrecy, cutting off your hair, hiding like a criminal. It's such a mistake, Red. People think... Yes? People think what? No, nothing. People think it proves I'm crazy, you mean. Well, you said it, not me. Listen, tell Victor Kratz the reason I'm doing all this is because I'm afraid for my own life and for his. But, Red, the police will... Couldn't you hear? No, it was distorted to me. You hear what you said, Pat? Some of it. You know, David, I'm not sure whether Red... Quiet a minute. Somebody coming. But nobody knows we are here except the man Johnson. Red said we were being followed and watched. With this type of lock, they won't be able to force their way in without a key. Well, whoever it is, they're not stopping. Probably a policeman. But she did say we were followed. That's why she didn't stay to see us. She's frightened to death of meeting Paul. But what exactly did she say? Why did she want to see me? Well, let's get out of this place first, sir. Then I'll explain. There are French windows in this room at the back, David. Mm. Maybe we could get out that way if they're watching the front. Why not walk boldly out of the front door? Are we thieves and criminals and we should use back doors? No, sir. From what Red told me on the phone, I think it might be wiser. Yes, we can get through these French windows, David. The point is, where are we when we're through the French windows? Still may have to come round to the front of the house. Worth trying, though. The key's there? Yes. For myself, I would prefer to hand the matter over to the police and leave things with them. I do not like this. Well, I have a message for you, sir, from Red. Might alter the complexion of things, as far as you're concerned. A message? In what connection? In connection with Kratz Alloy. What has she to say? Tell you all about him when we're back in the car. After you, sir. Like thieves in the night. Shh, shh, shh. Quiet a second. What's wrong? thought I heard something. So you did, my dear. <laughs> oh, what is happening? I do not understand. Looks as though Paul Farley and his friend, Mr. Norston, were waiting for us. Get back into that room. What? Who do you think you're talking to? I'm talking to you. Uh, Paul, please, uh, would you mind to explain? With pleasure, Mr. Kratz. Paul's quarrel is not with you. Oh, no, of course it isn't, sir. But these people have gone a bit too far this time. They're staying here until the police arrive. I shall please myself what I do. I'm ready, David, if you are. You go look after the girl, uh, Gentlemen, uh, gentlemen, please. Oh, no use trying to argue with these two, sir. Inspector James is on his way down to this district. I'm determined to keep them here until he arrives. For what reason? Several reasons. But principally because I want to know where my wife is. 
Conway knows he's in touch with her, but he refuses to help me and the police to trace her. Not without very good reason. We'll see about that. Now then, are you going to wait here quietly until James comes, or do we have to get rough? I'm afraid I can't stay. I have an appointment. Look, Conway, you've been leading me a hell of a dance ever since Red disappeared. Just what your object is, I wouldn't know, but I've had enough. Hugo, phone through to that pub. There's a phone in the other room, and leave a message that we're all here. Uh -huh. Oh, come along, Pat, and you, Mr. Kratz. We've no time to waste here. Do you not think it would be better to wait for the police and place everything in their hands? Much better, sir. That's exactly what we propose to do. I didn't want to be melodramatic, Conway. Oh, Paul, Paul, have you gone mad? Put away that gun. There might be a dreadful accident. Oh, Conway and his lady friend are staying right here until the police arrive. Sorry, sir, but if they won't cooperate one way, they must be made to do as they're told another. It's one thing to produce a gun, quite another to use it. Mr. Conway, please. Don't provoke, Paul. I'm not provoking him, sir. I just haven't time to hang around. Are you coming with us or are you staying here? I think we should see the police. See you later, then. Come on, Pat. Don't worry, he won't shoot. It'll be cold-blooded murder. I don't think even Paul's got around to that yet. I warn you, Conway. Oh, stop playing cops and robbers. You're a grown man now. Hugo, stop him. Don't let him walk past you. No, look, Conway. And you, Miss Manders... Let go my arm. Do you mind? You're completely in the wrong. I refuse to let you go on down... Oh! Oh, golly, David, that's Mr. done it. Mr. Conway, have you gone mad? I call it a witness, sir. The Conway resorted to violence. David, and... be careful. Let go. Get, let go. Oh, oh my wrist. Oh. <sighs> I didn't want to start all this. Your idea. Here, Mr. Kratz, you better keep this gun. Be safer with you than with Paul. Thank you, thank you. And when he's finished nursing his wrist, asking how he knew there was a phone in the front room of his empty house, and how he knew it was still in working order... I'll be intrigued to know the answer. See you later. Come on, Pat. Let's go. Well, really, David, you've put us right out of court now, you know. Afraid I got slightly annoyed. Didn't want to miss Red. She's got me a bit worried as well. Why a circus? That's why I want to see her. I feel unless we get in touch and find out the full story pretty quickly, something's going to happen to Red. She won't talk to the police because they won't believe her. She's scared stiff that Paul and Hugo will catch up with her before she's done whatever it is she's trying to do. Yes, and what about this AX3 formula business? Why didn't you tell Kratz about that? Oh, I wasn't going to say too much in front of those two. I'd have told him if he'd been alone. You know, Inspector James is going to be livid about all this. Can't be helped. Red seems convinced that Paul's behind some plot to get hold of this super metal formula thing. Mm, seems like it. It's a bit far-fetched, isn't it? No, I don't agree. So far as Inspector James was concerned, the, the one thing that brought him into the affair was the possibility of Red's disappearance being connected with this new metal. Logically, he can't just poo-poo the whole idea now, just because Red herself is saying it. No, no, that's fair. But somehow I can't tie Paul in with being the leader of some foreign espionage outfit, can you? Needn't be the leader. Could be involved, though. In fact, Red as good as said he was involved. Well, I certainly can't see Hugo Norston or Lush Baker as top agents of some foreign power. Well, you can't always go by appearances. Another thing, Red's had experience of this sort of thing during the war. She'd not be the sort to get the wind up. Well, there's not much doubt that she has got the wind up. Ah, uh -uh. mm. here we are. Mm. Calantis International Circus. Last few days prior to continental engagements. Book now. Must be getting pretty well towards the end of the show. Now, look, we'll leave the car here, just in case we want to get off in a hurry. The big top. A lot of glamour about a circus, I always feel. Mm. 
Not to smell stew as a rule. Oh, trouble with you is you've no imagination. You don't need one for the smells. But, David, hmm? once again, what on earth is Red doing meeting us in a circus? Safety in crowds, maybe? Ah, what do we do now, I wonder? Go in? Well, it's not worth paying to go in. Show's practically finished. There's nobody in the box office. Look, shut. Well, in that case, let's just drift in and see what happens. She said she'd look out for us somewhere near the entrance. Talk about looking for a needle in a haystack. Well patronised tonight, isn't it? Huh? Oh, yes, yes, well patronised. Evening. Can I help? I know that voice. In what way do you think you might help? Oh, I never know. Thought maybe you were looking for somebody. Could be. Somebody with red hair, say? Again, could be. David, this is the man who was with Red in the pub. Ah, uh, yes. Joe was the name, wasn't it? Joe it is. Christian Joseph after me dead. Where is she? Waiting for you. She said she'd be here. Too risky. Might have one or two folks coming along if she wasn't expecting like, see? Same as at the pub. No, not this time. Uh, you see that small tent over there? Yes. Well, that's one of the daytime sideshows, and it's not in use at the moment. She's in there. I see. Thanks. You have a pint for your trouble. Ah, oh, spoken like a gent, sir. And if anybody else should come snooping around, I ain't seen you, nor read for that matter. Tell me, Joe, can you see any reason for all this tremendous secrecy? Me? I wouldn't know. I just do what I'm told and ask no questions. You connected with the circus in any way? I don't think I made myself clear, sir. I don't never ask questions and I don't never answer none, neither. Not unless I has to. Okay. Fair enough. Hmm. Come on, David. I only hope there's nobody waiting with a knife. If there is, you'll probably have more idea of how to use it than Paul had with his revolver. Yes, I thought you were a bit rash the way you stepped across to him. Frightened me to death. <laughs> he hadn't put off the safety catch. Oh. Don't think he even knew the gun had a safety catch. <laughs> Obviously not trained in the schools, the best type of film thriller. Let's go in, shall we? Now, careful, David. Anybody home? There is someone here, David. Look, far corner. Who's there? David and Pat. Ah, well, Red, you've given us one or two heart attacks in the past 24 hours. Now, what's going on? Oh, Red, just look at you. All that beautiful hair gone. Oh, it doesn't matter. It'll grow again. Providing I've still got a head for it to grow on by the time we're through with this lot. Where's Paul? Waiting back at the house for the police. You're sure? No chance of him showing up here? Oh, he doesn't know we've come here. Incidentally, Red, why have we? Why a circus of all places? Because I'm hiding out here in one of the caravans. Friend of Johnny Johnson's. Not Joe, the character we just met at the entrance. Oh, no, no. One of the circus artists, Bella Damati. How on earth did you get to know her? Oh, I went to Johnny for help. Asked him to hide me. He thought I'd be safer with Bella. Didn't think people would look in a circus for me. What happens when the circus moves on to its grand continental tour? Well, this business will be over by then. It's planned to finish immediately following Victor Kret's final experiments. They're due to take place any minute now. You know, the new wonder metal, Kratz alloy. No, and I suppose you start at the beginning, Red. Remember, Paul's giving people the impression that you're off your rocker. David, I'm uh... deliberately being frank, Pat. Because cutting off your hair and dressing as a man, and then hiding in a circus caravan with Signora Bella Damati, well, it looks a bit out of the ordinary, Red. But of course it is. Now listen, David. That new metal of Kratz is a great advance in metallurgy. So I gather. It is. I've taken the trouble to find out. You've heard of titanium... Mm, it's a sort of super element, isn't it? It's a big advance on any of the other known metal-type elements, and it's used a lot in the processing of modern metals. Well, this new Kratz alloy is a big advance on titanium. That means that it's of terrific importance. So important 
that other countries may be interested? I don't know who's interested, but somebody is. And Paul and Hugo Norston are working with this somebody against Kretz. Have you any proof? You don't believe me? Well, I mean, Paul's been working with Kretz, hasn't he, Red, for a long time? Not long, really. Let me explain. What little I know about the new metal, I know because I've listened to Paul talking about it, with Kratz, with Hugo, and with Lush Baker. <laughs> I've no technical knowledge myself, but I gather it has quite phenomenal possibilities. Kratz even told us that. Well, a few days ago, I was going to the pictures. Paul had a conference at the house that evening, and I was going out of the way. Mm -hmm. At the last minute, I had a cracking headache and went to bed instead. Paul didn't know. About eight o'clock, I felt a little better and came downstairs. Paul and Hugo were talking. You mean you eavesdropped at the door? Yes. Why? What made you suddenly take an interest? I heard Paul say, Kratz must be whisked away immediately the metal has been secretly tested and before any results or details can get out. Then Hugo Norston said, that's already been arranged. Paul then said, they realize that my knowledge can only carry them as far as formula AX3. Norston said, they already have all that information. It's been passed on. Good. And they await the next stage, the final stage. Is this true, Red? It sounds incredible. I swear it, David. Then Paul said, the final tests will almost certainly be overnight, and the metal itself tested in the early hours of the morning. We must find out the precise formula details of the additive which Kratz will put into the alloy when the process reaches the carbon arc furnace stage. What the deuce does that mean? <laughs> I don't know, but that additive, whatever it is, plus the information about the temperature at which it's added, is the crux of the whole thing. Hmm. Oh, I know it sounds crazy, me standing here in a circus tent talking about metal technology, but I wouldn't make all this up, would I? Oh, I couldn't. All right, then what? Then the doorbell rang and I had to dash back upstairs. Red, when did Paul find out that you'd stayed in that evening? Not till two days later. You see, they all went out later on. It was quite natural for me to be in bed and asleep when Paul returned. Yes, of course. Then he asked me about the picture, and I said I'd not been, I'd stayed in. He really began to frighten me from that stage onwards. He suspected something. I don't know why, but he did. So you ran away? I thought I could find out more by lying low than by staying at home with Paul. He knew something had gone wrong. And that's why he's so anxious to find you and put you away in a mental home. If he finds me, Pat, I shall be put away, but not in a mental home. I shall be found dead in circumstances that look like suicide. But dead. he won't take any chances now. Or rather, if he would, the people who work with him won't. Not with what's at stake. So you contacted John Johnson. Was that wise? <laughs> I tried to contact you first, but you were dead asleep after the party. Mm. And before I could wake you, I heard Paul's car draw up outside. I'd already cut off my hair, so I did the switch with the bracelet. <laughs> Sorry about that, Pat. <laughs> oh, by the way, um, here's the rest of it. Oh, thanks. I thought you might guess what had happened, David. But where do we go from here, Red? You must tell Kratz. Tell him all I've told you. That's Joe. And that signal means somebody's on their way here. So I'll phone you at your flat, David. But, Red, don't go. I must. You can contact me through Johnny Johnson or Bella Damati any time, but I'm staying in hiding until Paul and his friends are safely put away. I'm taking no chances. The police will protect you. Sure, in a padded cell. But don't forget to tell Kratz. Whatever you do, tell him. I'll go out the back way. But... Oh. What do you make of it all, David? Blessed if I know, Pat. But Red wouldn't go to these lengths just because she was jealous of Lush Baker. Shh. Somebody coming. Is she coming? Yes. The others have just arrived. 
They've spotted your car and all. No, now what? Oh, brazen it out. Only thing to do. They're coming this way. I'm drifting, so cheerio. Thanks, Joe. Come on, Pat. To hell with them all. We've committed no crime, remember? Not yet. Look, Inspector. Direct in. Conway and the girl. They've spotted us, David. Hmm. Let's go and meet them. Hello, everybody. Jolly good circus, what we saw of it. Now, what are you two doing here? Haven't I made myself clear? If you don't stop interfering, you'll find yourselves liable to arrest. Arrest? What for? Obstructing the police in the course of their duty, assault against Mr. Norston here, and any more offences I can think up that'll keep you out of harm's way for a time. Ask them where Red is, Inspector. You know, David? No. Liar. Is that the truth? Of course. Have you seen her tonight? You see, Inspector, they have. Yes, we have. But she's gone now. Yes. Very well, I'll go into all this later. At the moment, I'm on another errand. Have you ever heard of a woman named Bella de Marti? Uh, yes, she's uh, one of the circus artists. Well, apparently Red has been staying with her, and she phoned me just over half an hour ago well, to look, say... Inspector, is this important? I think so. Mr. Marty told me that she had a lot of very important and very urgent information to give me regarding your wife. She said, unless I came right away, anything might happen. Anything might happen to whom? Red? She didn't say. Do you happen to know where her caravan is? No, we don't. Well, perhaps that chap does. I say, um, excuse me. Want me, sir? Yes. Have you any idea which is Mr. Marty's caravan? Uh, Bella de Marty? Mm. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, the one down there, second from the end. That's her, sir. Thank you. But surely it is of more importance... If you uh... don't mind, I'll assess the importance of the various aspects of this case, Mr. Norston. Yeah, yeah. Yes, this is the one he said, isn't it? That's the one, sir. Mr. Marty? Mr. Marty! Oh. What's wrong, Inspector? Well, there's something on the floor stopping the door from opening. Uh. Here, take my torch, thanks. Ah, that better? Can you see anything? Yes. A woman's hand. And a great deal of blood. Mr. Marty said if we didn't come straight away, anything might happen. What's going on? What's the delay, Inspector? Oh, just a minute, Polly. Help me with the door, David. Well, if this woman's wedged against it, I... No, I, I think it'll open all right. Uh, it's got to anyway. Now, push. All right. Uh, can you get through now? Yes, that's it. Torch. Here you are. Yeah. It isn't... Inspector, don't say it's red. It's not red. Then who? Don't come up, Pat. It's not a very pretty sight. Uh, she's dead. I wouldn't say she'd been dead very long. Quite agree. The sooner we get the police surgeon on the scene, the better. But, Inspector, if it isn't red inside the caravan, uh, who is it? Well, from her costume, I'd say it's Bella de Marti. But why would anyone want to kill her? In mistake for red, do you think? I'd say because she was waiting in this caravan to give some important information to the police. In connection with red? Presumably. So it could have been... Uh... It could have been Mrs. Farley herself who killed her to stop her from talking. Is that what you were going to say, Mr. Norston? Uh, the, the thought did cross my mind. Yes, unlikely. This woman was killed by a terrific blow across the back of the skull. Too strong a blow for a woman to have been responsible. Demented people are usually abnormally strong, of course. I agree, Mr. Farley. But we have yet to be convinced that Mrs. Farley was demented, haven't we? What do you say, David? Me? I don't say anything. On this stage, nothing I could say is likely to be of much help to you or to that poor creature. Well, I'll say nothing and think all the more, if you don't mind. Yes, well, you look like having plenty of time to do that, too. Pat, you'll find a police officer over by the entrance of the main tent. 
Tell him to come over here right away, will you? Yes, all right. As for you three gentlemen, I'm afraid you will have to place yourselves at my disposal until further notice. Inspector, where is Victor Kratz? Back at station headquarters, I hope. Is there likely to be any doubt about it? Everything and everybody connected with this case is open to doubt. By doubt, Inspector, do you mean suspicion? Yes, Mr. Norston. By doubt, I mean suspicion. Inspector might just as well have locked us up at the police station, David. Has made us sit up all night here like this. Well, I hope my flat's a bit more comfortable than the police station. <laughs> I wonder if Kratz was there all right. Can't think why James did let us go back there with him. I don't think he loves us anymore. Mm -hmm. Oh, dear. David, what do you make of it all? What do you? Well, I don't think Red had anything to do with the murder. No, of course she didn't. Well, the rest of them seem to think so. Well, as far as I can see, from the way he's behaving, Inspector Jay seems to think that we did it. Well, he wouldn't have let us come back here in that case, would he? Oh, the place is stiff with policemen. We're safe enough. David, you know, I'm more worried than ever about Red Farley. Being crazy, do you mean? No, no, no. Being alive. It could easily be that Bella Damati was killed in mistake for Red. And once they've started on this murder game, well, the gloves are off, aren't they? Ah, and don't forget that. If this is James, neither he nor Victor Kratz know as much as we know. Right. We're not going to sit back and be lectured and bullied by James when he comes in. We're going to blind him with science. Science? The science of metallurgy. Well, what do you know about metallurgy? Only what I learned from Red Farley this evening. Well, I reckon that'll be enough to set Kratz's grey matter working overtime. Hello there. Now, David, and you, Pat, there's no need to tell you what sort of a mess you're in. Uh, come in, Mr. Kratz. Good evening, my young friends. Hello, Mr. Kratz. What a tragedy has occurred. Look, I've been a friend of yours for a long time, David. But it's going to take a lot more influence than I've got to keep you and Pat out of court the way things are going. Court? On what charge? It could be murder, or accessories to murder, or withholding information from the police. Oh, talk sense, Inspector. I am talking sense, David. Oh, I know you've got a lovely case cooked up against Paul Farley and his pal Norston. We never said so. No, but Paul Farley has made a statement about tonight and pointed out that you've sided with his wife all along and that in her present state of mind there's no knowing what fantastic story she might have told you. After all, Mr. Conway, the whole situation is bizarre and, uh, let us be honest, uh, more than a little crazy. And I think you ought to know that we can practically pinpoint the time of death to 10.15. She'd been dead about half an hour when we found her. No more. 10.15? Well, we were in the empty house then, Inspector. We left Johnny Johnson's pub just after 10 and we drove straight to the house, didn't we, Mr. Kratz? You can confirm that. I can indeed. It gives us all an alibi, Inspector. All? How do you mean all? At 10.15, Mr. Kratz, Pat and I were in the empty house belonging to Johnny Johnson, two miles away from the circus. Yes, and what's more, just about that time, Red Farley phoned us to say that the house was being watched. And a few seconds later, Paul and Hugo Norston actually joined us. So who killed Bella Damati? Assuming the police surgeon's timing is accurate. There is nobody left. Except Lush Baker. Where was she, Paul's secretary? Now, David, don't start any witch hunts of that nature. You may dislike Lush Baker, but that doesn't make her a master crook. Master crooks don't run around with little badges on their lapels saying, I am a master crook. Could be Lush Baker as easy as anybody else. Except that the inspector said the blow was given with terrific force. By a man, in other words. Mm, the police surgeons confirmed that. No sign of a struggle either, which suggests that Bella de Marte knew the person who killed her and didn't regard him as a menace at all. Oh, these continental artists, quick-tempered, hot-blooded... Could it not have been a personal quarrel? Nothing to do with Red Farley? Well, that angle's being checked now, naturally. 
But it's curious that the woman should have been murdered almost immediately after making that phone call. It looks as though she had some pretty important information that somebody wanted kept secret. I must confess, Inspector, I cannot see how this Damati woman comes into the affair at all. What did Red say about her? Where is Red now? Precisely. If Mrs. Farley is as innocent as you make out, David, why doesn't she come forward right away? Why stay in hiding? Maybe she no longer has any say in the matter. Which suggests that she may be held under duress by whom? Some group of individuals who know everything about Kratz Alloy, a new supermetal up to the stage of Formula AX3. What? What are you saying? AX3? Who has told you this? Inspector, Mr. Conway is talking sense now and very ominous sense. Go on, Mr. Conway, if you please. Pat here will confirm that Red told us she overheard Paul Farley and Hugo Norston discussing ways and means of abducting you, Mr. Kratz, at a stage in your research proceedings which would enable them to take enough information regarding the metal for them to be able to produce it, at the same time, leaving insufficient details for anyone here to complete the work in your absence. Is this true? Absolutely, Inspector. Uh, at least it's true that Red told us. Could this happen, Mr. Kratz? It could happen, yeah. yes, I suppose it could. Always providing... But continue, Mr. Conway. Did she say anything else? She said your metal was a terrific advance on titanium. Paul, apparently, was heard to say that the final alloy could be run overnight and the metal itself tested in the early hours of the morning. But that the most vital information was the formula for the additive which you alone knew and the temperature at which this formula had to be added to the alloy. The stage. Did they mention at which stage? Yes, they did. At the stage of the carbon arc furnace, whatever that may be. Oh. And the information up to Formula AX3 has already been passed over, you say? And that's what Paul said, apparently. Or maybe it was Norston, one of them. Well, Mr. Kratz? This is almost relevant, Inspector. It could not be fabricated, you understand. Well, could Red Farley have found out this information regarding the metal in, say, conversation with Paul? I do not follow you. Well, having acquired a little knowledge like this, could she be using it to blacken her husband's character? In other words... Could she be lying when she says she heard them talking about abducting you and giving the metal to some other group, whatever her reason? Well, that's a possibility we have to face up against, Inspector. But there is a way of proving it, I think. Eh, Pat? Uh-huh. Trouble is, I can't see the Inspector agreeing to hmm? it. Uh, what is it? Well, I know a radio engineer who's fitted up a recording car for his own use. He goes out to parties, football matches and so on, and takes recordings for his own amusement. Well? Now... Could we plant a microphone in Paul Farley's house and listen to their conversation in the recording car? And how do you propose to do that? You say the word and we'll do it somehow. Oh. Mr. Kratz can keep Farley working late tomorrow night. That'll and be then... easy. The final tests of the metal are planned for the night after tomorrow in the works experimental block. Paul is in charge of preparing the metal up to the stage of the second furnace, the carbon arc furnace. I can easily keep him there to check temperatures and equipment. If it came off, David... And all Red's accusations against Farley and Norston were true, proved to be true, we should be on velvet. Mm. Of course, if it went sour in any way, well, I should be for the high jump. Shall we take a chance, Inspector? Oh, you're taking no chance. I'm the one who's taking a chance. On the strength of allegations made by a woman who's reputed by her family and friends to be mentally unstable. Inspector, mm. are we to remain on the police observation? Uh, no, I don't think that's really necessary. Good. Well, in that case, we might do something tomorrow night which wouldn't have your consent or approval, unless results prove that it was worthwhile. And if it goes wrong, we take the rap. I feel that the situation justifies drastic measures. I will do my share, I promise. 
What do you say, Inspector? Uh, I haven't heard a word you've been talking about for the last five minutes. Mm. But um, if I happen to be walking somewhere near Paul Farley's house tomorrow night at a given time, and I saw a recording car, well, out of interest, I might be inclined to see what was going on. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I'll fix it up with my pal Jimmy right away. Paul Farley, it is unbelievable. But it could happen. I know eternally it was so. One's friends, one's own family. Nobody for trusting nobody. What worries me is, where is Red now? Yes. Also, tell me, Inspector, did you say anything to Paul Farley about the different charms on the gold bracelet, which, incidentally, Red returned to us tonight? No, why should I? Hmm. Another thing. Who told you we'd gone to meet Red Farley at the circus, and what made you come there? Well, my visit was nothing to do with you. I had a phone call from Bella Damati to meet her there. Yet when Paul arrived with you and the others and spotted us at the circus, the first words he said were, ask them where Red is. As though he knew we'd come to meet Red there. He seems very well informed. Yes. Do you know, he even knew there was a phone in the hall of the empty house before he'd even been inside the house? He might have heard the phone bell when he was waiting outside. Yes, that might be so. All the same, he didn't come to the front door of the house until well after we'd finished the phone conversation with Red. Still, as you say, that might be the explanation. Well, can you think of any other? Only one. It's a bit too fantastic to put into words at this stage. news, here is an announcement. The police are anxious for information which will help them to trace the present whereabouts of Mrs. Farley, a woman of some 34 years of age, who was last seen near the circus ground along the main Walsall Road. She is believed to have discussed... Good evening. Before our television programme starts tonight, we have been asked by the police in the Midland area to enlist your cooperation in their search for this woman, whose photograph is now appearing on your screen. Yes, the police tried every method they could to trace Red Farley, but it all made no difference. Red Farley had vanished again just as completely as before. We went down to Johnny Johnson's pub early in the evening to see whether he could help. And we weren't too well received. My birthday, too. But Johnny Johnson wasn't singing any happy birthday welcome songs. Look, Mr. Conway, Red and I have been good friends. We worked together during the war, as I think you know. But from now on, I'm keeping my nose clean. Helping an old pal is one thing. Helping a possible murderess is another. You don't think she killed Bella Damati, do you? That I wouldn't know. All I do know is that I sent Red to stay with Bella so she'd be out of the way. Now Bella's dead. So whichever way you look at it, it must be something to do with Red, mustn't it? And you haven't any idea where Red might be? If I did know, I'd be the first to tell the police. Well, that's the best thing you could do, in Red's own interest. Good evening, Joe. Ah, Joe. Howdy. What do you know? Hello, our friend of last night. And I should be very careful what you say to him. Joe and Bella were very good friends. How long has the circus been in the district, then? Fortnight. But we knew Bella and one or two more of the crowd a long time before they came round these parts. Why? Oh, nothing. Evening, Joe. Usual? Uh, yes, Johnny. I think you know this lady and gent. Ah, uh, yes, I know them. They've been asking if we know where Red is. Search me. I wish I did. 
That's what you get for helping people. You look after them, you shelter them, because they're afraid of their husband, and what do they do? Ah, oh, Jenny. All right, Joe, have it on the house. Have you given any statement to the police? Me? <laughs> Never stopped all day. Anyway, I think I killed Bella myself. That detective inspector, if he'd have gone on much longer, I'd have clocked him one. Police or no police. But Red only went out of the back of that tent just as the others came on the scene, Joe. She couldn't have got very far. Look, mister, with the papers and the BBC asking her to come forward, it sticks out a mile. She must have done Bella in. Otherwise, she'd come forward and face the music and try and help the police. That's the way I look at it, too. But doesn't it strike you that the reason she doesn't come forward might be because she can't? Why can't she? Because she's probably either been bumped off herself well, she's being held prisoner. And who'd be holding her prisoner? Mr Farley and that other chap, Norston? They were with you and the police. You two are with the police. That leaves me and Joe here. And Lush Baker, Paul Farley's secretary. I wouldn't know about her. And Victor Kratz, of course. Oh, him. I can't see him knocking Red over the head and carrying her off. No, working on a process of elimination. It seems to me, much as I hate saying it, that Red's gone off her head altogether. I reckon poor Bella tried to reason with her and was killed for her trouble. Yeah, and if we hadn't listened to her and helped her, none of this would have happened, Johnny. Brand off with it all, I am. Well, Red's done for herself now as far as we're concerned. She'll never be a welcome visitor in this house again. She's had it. Hmm. Oh, come on, David. It's time we were off. An important date, remember? But I agree with you, Mr. Johnson. There's a lot in this process of elimination idea. Quite a lot. Surprising how much clearer things begin to look when the field has been narrowed down. I asked Pat what she meant by that rather cryptic remark. She said she wasn't sure. She'd only said it for effect. But all the way to Farley's house, she was very quiet and thoughtful. Victor Kratz was waiting for us with the inspector at the agreed rendezvous. I sincerely hope everything will go according to plan, David. We have not too much time. Paul is working at the laboratories but it has been necessary to telephone him and keep him there on one or two rather slender pretexts. I am afraid my story must have sounded a trifle thin. He was a little impatient with me. No news of Red, Inspector? None. She's vanished again. It's uncanny. Where's this recording car, David? I'm parked in a very convenient alleyway on the side road at the back of the house. Mm. Who's in the house? Only Lush Baker. Where's Hugo Norston? I haven't a clue. He's not in the house. Lush Baker is alone. Servants? None. Established all this by various devious means already. Not so devious as to put Miss Baker on our guard, I hope. No, I don't think so. David, which room shall you put the microphone into? Uh, dining room, I think. Uh -huh. It's at the back of the house, for one thing, and it's probable that Lush will prepare some sort of supper for Paul when he returns. Yes, well, there's an ornamental wrought iron flower stand alongside the wall near the table. Mm -hmm. I noticed it the other night. It's full of flowers in pots. Oh, I remember it. Most attractive. That'll be just the job, if it's still in position, and providing the dining room is late for supper. Mm-hmm. Oh, time I was off, David. Right, sweetheart. Now, you know what to do. I'll do my best. I do not understand. What is Miss Manners' part in this operation? I'm the decoy, Mr. Kratz. Mind you, there's no love lost between me and Lush Baker. So, if she refuses to help me, the whole scheme will collapse. Don't be defeatist. Push off, there's an angel. Now, come on, Inspector. We'll take up our positions. You two in the recording car, while I pop over the garden wall, complete with microphone and lead. What's the time? Uh, 11.30. Off you go, then, Pat. And take care. Wish me luck. I shall probably need it. Did you forget your keep or... Oh. Oh, sorry. It's me, Miss Baker. Uh, Pat Manners, remember? Oh. Yes? Look.
look, I, I must apologise for troubling you at this time of night, really, but my car's packed up, and seeing your car parked in the drive, I wondered... Yes? Well, all I need is a tow, and she'll start again. This is the second time it's happened. What, no resourceful Mr Conway to oblige? No, I'm afraid not. He, he warned me before I came out that it might happen. I, I don't know what's wrong with the thing, but it's going in tomorrow. I, I just needed it in a hurry last thing tonight. I see. So I, I thought perhaps if, if Paul could possibly give me a tow just for a few yards to start me off again, I, I wouldn't have disturbed you at this time, only I, I saw the light in the window and, and the car parked here. Paul's out, still at the works. Uh, oh, well, perhaps Mr Norston would tell me. He's out too. Oh, dear. Not doing too well, am I? But it's not a very difficult job, actually. I, I have got a tow rope. Look, I, I'd be terribly grateful if you could help. Otherwise, it means phoning a garage. You heard any more about Red? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> David and I have been told to mind our own business and stay out of it all. Little late in the day to tell you that. <laughs> yes, well, anyway, we're staying out of it. I'm sorry for Red, but, well, nobody wants to get mixed up in murder if they can help it, do they? Sometimes they can't help it, especially when they go around asking for trouble. <laughs> Just a minute, I'll get a coat. Great. It's quite warm, really. Uh, yes, suppose it is. All right. Whereabouts do you say your car is? Oh, it's only 20 or 30 yards down the road. It's really most awfully kind of you. I do appreciate it. This waiting is nerve-wracking, Inspector. Most worrying. Mm. My worry is that this sort of thing turns detective inspectors back into police constables, if it goes wrong. Talking of police constables, what if one should come along? One won't. It's been taken care of, don't worry. He's coming back, Inspector. Top of the wall. Look. Hmm, it was pretty quick work. Well, David? Worked like a charm. Pat kept her away about seven minutes. Gave me bags of time. Where'd you put the mic? In the flower stand. Just the job. Was the door at the back open for you? Fortunately, yes. Would have taken much longer if it hadn't been. Yes, well, how long do we have to wait now? Well, here's Pat, in the shadows. See her? Across the road. Oh, yes. Something of an optical illusion there. I was looking a little time ago at that deep patch of shadow across the road from the street lamp and I could have sworn someone moved. Mm, your eyes play tricks at this time of night. Oh, well done, darling. Jolly near thing, Pat. Why, you managed it beautifully. Paul's car swept into the drive just as I was driving off. He speak to you? I didn't have a chance. Just put my foot down hard. Switch on then, Jimmy, will you? Right. You'd better come pretty close together, otherwise you'll not hear. I've got a pair of wire cutters in case of accidents. Have to buy you a new mic in any case, Jimmy. Now, everybody comfy? We may have a long wait. What could I do, darling? You could have run her Listen. over. It would have been a good idea. That means me. Charming. You must be hungry. Why all the overtime? I don't know. Don't think the old fool himself knows. And that means me. But what have you been working on? <laughs> Kratz would be surprised if he knew. Give me a drink, will you? What about Red? What about her? Any further developments? There can only be one further development as far as she's concerned. And you know what that is. It's an awful thing, but I don't see any alternative. Why did you have to poke her nose in in the first place? Why did Conway and his girlfriend? Why, indeed? You know, I don't like that business of her coming here tonight. Quite by chance, her car packed up. Hmm. I wonder. Uh, that must be Hugo. Take it, Lush, will you? He's devilish late getting home. What if he's met with any trouble? Uh, tell him I want him double quick, wherever he is. All this is highly interesting, but not very informative. Yet. Wait till Norston arrives on the scene. Wonder what's gone wrong now. But I can't understand it. Don't talk. 
Somebody's tipped them off. Listen. Well, Conway, and you, Inspector, I'm sorry, but so far as you're concerned, this station is now closing down. Good night. He's bust the mic. Right. Switch off, Jimmy. I'll cut the lead, and you drive as fast as you can to our car. Pat's party around the corner. You carry on with the inspector. Mr. Kratz and I'll go with Pat back to my flat. We'll all meet there. Quick as you like. No, I'll go direct to the station. Uh, that lot was being recorded as we heard it, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, well, I want to hear it again, slowly. Oh, I think if I were you, I'd stay the night with David, Mr. Kratz. You'll be safer in his flat than in that great house of yours. If Mr. Conway has no objection. No, no objection at all. Pleasure. And what about Paul? Don't you think he's likely to take some action about this business tonight? Yes, I think he's very likely to. He's certainly got every cause. I can see one or two very awkward interviews lying ahead of me if he starts complaining officially. Right, let's go. All aboard. I would like to know who phoned Paul and told him. Oh, he'll go in Austin, obviously. That shadow you saw moving under the trees must have been him. I never did like him much. I like him even less now. Well, my problem is, from what I can remember of that conversation we just heard, it's not particularly incriminating. I shall need something a little stronger than that to justify taking any action, I'm afraid. I shouldn't worry, Inspector. I think you'll get the strong medicine all right before very long. Pat's car's parked around the next corner, Jimmy. On the right. Oh, poor Pat. Not had a particularly bright birthday, has she? She looked very tired. She was wise to go to bed. I expected a call from the inspector before now. Yes. Maybe he's in trouble with his superior officers if Paul has phoned. Mm, you might be able to help there, Mr. Kratz, if the inspector was on the carpet. I don't think he's likely to be in the circumstances. Don't worry. The CID know all about Kratz Alloy. They will not blame their men for being overcautious. Uh, tomorrow night, when the final tests are made, the works will be buzzing with the police like, like a hive of bees. Ah, this may be him now. Hello? Hello? Conway? Yes? Johnny Johnson here. You know Joe? Yes, I know Joe. He's on the gates of the foundry night shift. What about it? The midnight shift has just popped in, and he's seen Red Farley. What? She was amongst them. She's gone over to the experimental block. Uh, what had I better do? We said we washed our hands of her. But this looks a bit funny, don't it, Mr. Conway? She had a clock card, and she clocked in with the rest. Now, have you phoned the inspector? He's not there. I've tried twice. That's why I rang you. Well, didn't Joe try to stop her? He used his loaf. Uh, just a sec. Mr. Kratz, huh? Red's been seen going to the experimental block at the works. Red? But, but why? The experimental block? I don't like that, Mr. Conway. You don't think she is the one who is working with the other side? Not Paul, after all? Well, it could be. It could be. I must go there now at once. Anything might be happening. The work is nearing completion. Nothing must go wrong now. Right. You there, Johnny? Yes. What goes? We'll be with you right away. Keep ringing Inspector James, will you? Right. See what the gates with Joe. But if you ask me, she's the one who seems to be doing the double crossing, not her husband. No, we'll see. Be with you inside a quarter of an hour. Now, if she tries to get out of the works, hold her. Right. Bye for now. What about Miss Manners? Oh, let the poor kid sleep. No point in dragging her out now. Although she'll be furious in the morning when we tell her all about it. In the experimental block. But who gave her a key? Only Paul and myself have keys to go in there at night. I don't understand this, Mr. Conway. I don't like 
there you are. They're here, Joe. Evening, gents. Funny, how'd you do, isn't it? She's in there all right. I've seen her. You saw her enter the building? With my own eyes. She let herself in with a key? As cool as you like. Still dressed as a man, though. But I couldn't mistake her. Inspector James is on his way. He says hold her till he comes. Oh, you got him, did you? Good. Now, let's get over the experimental block right away. By the way, sir, I, I got no keys to these departments. Oh, that is all right, I have. Into the laboratory, was it? This door here. So. Come in. Come in. I will lock the door behind us. First door on the left down the corridor. No light on it, there. Well, that can soon be remedied. Now then. Good evening, gentlemen. Do come in, Mr. Kratz and Mr. Conway. Paul and Norston. What is the meaning of this? Please come in and I'll explain. And you, Conway. I shouldn't try any funny stuff, Paul. There are four of us, and only two of you. No, Conway, you've got it all wrong. Hasn't he, Johnny? Hasn't he, Joe? There are four of us, and only two of you. Suppose you explain. Suppose you two get inside so that I can shut the door. Go on, get in. Tell them, Johnny. I've very little time for explanation, Mr. Kratz, but briefly, I'm afraid I'm not working for the good of this country in the matter of your new alloy. So? You mean you're on Paul Farley's side? To be more precise, Paul Farley and Norston and Joe here are on my side. You seem to have been badly misled right from the start, Mr. Conway. A pity. I think they're safe enough without tying them up, Johnny. I don't want Kratz tied up. I want no. him working. Right. He's no. got less than six hours to get the metal sheets made. Sheets? Of Kratz alloy? Of my new formula? Impossible. I think not, Mr. Kratz. Everything's been laid on. The first run of metal has been completed and arrangements have been made for forced cooling. My instructions were that the first run should be made at midnight tomorrow night, not tonight. It was necessary to bring events forward by 24 hours. All that concerns you, Kratz, is that the metal will be ready in the carbon arc furnace in a matter of half an hour or so. Then it's up to you to add the special hardening formula at the correct temperature, Mr. Kratz. We couldn't do that for you because you're the only one who happens to know what it is. Mm-hmm. Having put in the hardening additive, you'll then supervise the cooling and rolling. And we estimate that the sheets of Kratz alloy should be ready for final test by, say, uh, 5.30 a.m. And what am I to understand by your expression, final test? Kratz alloy is a new metal which it's claimed combines great lightness in weight with armor plate toughness. So? So there can be only one form of final test. The firing range. All right, so you test the metal on the firing range. Then what? Then we know whether Kratz alloy is the wonder metal which Victor Kratz claims to have discovered. Please continue, Mr. Johnson. This is all very interesting. If it is, the people we're working for will be very pleased. They'll be happy to welcome you in their own country and make you a rich man. I am quite happy in this country, thank you. Unfortunately, Mr. Kratz, we cannot let you stay here. Not alive, anyway. Because you could very easily repeat your experiments and place the metal in the hands of your friends in Britain. That would not meet with the approval of the organization for which we work. May one ask what that organization is, or for which country it operates? It could be of no possible interest to you, Conway. Suppose we proceed with a test run of the metal, eh, Mr. Kratz? You must be imaginary to think you can get away with this lot. Who's going to do the work to roll the metal for you? Where's your labor coming from? There are no problems. The entire skeleton staff in this experimental block are working with us. That I cannot believe. What of Robinson, Jackson and Clark? And they have been taken care of. 
You mean they been... Look, Conway, the one thing I want to avoid for the next few hours is anything in the way of melodramatic heroics. We've a job to do and it's got to be done fast. I'd advise you to stop being a nuisance. I don't get you at all. I thought Red said she worked with you during the war. You and she operated against the saboteurs in the steelworks. In war of peace, I've never had the slightest sentiment about this sort of work, Conway. In other words, like Joey, I've always worked for the highest bidder. And during the war, who was that? We'll give you three guesses. <laughs> and would you believe it, Conway? When Red found out that I was double-crossing Victor Kratz, <laughs> of all the men to go and ask for help, she had to choose Johnny Johnson. Poor Red. Such an attractive woman, too. Where is Mrs. Farley? She's also been taken care of. I still say you must be mad to try and get away with it. At seven in the morning, the day shift will start coming in. We shall be away long before then. But how are you going to get out of the country? All the ports will be watched. Don't worry, we're organised. Now, come on, Mr. Kratz, start work. I shall not start work. As David says, you are wasting your time. I have not the slightest intention of cooperating with you. Look, Mr. Kratz, I told you I had no time to argue. Unless you do as you're told, a lot of innocent people are going to suffer. Mr. Kratz, don't be under any illusions. He means what he says. Two people have already been killed. Two? You mean somebody in addition to that woman, uh, Bella Damati? Who is the other victim? Red herself? We don't know the man's name. A friend of Conway's has a recording van. You mean Jimmy? The man we were with tonight? Your fault, Conway. You surely didn't think we were going to let the inspector get away with that lot. What did you do? A regrettable accident. A big lorry driven by Joe there hit the van broadside on. <laughs> recording van at the worst of the argument. And the inspector? Oh, him. He's in hospital. <laughs> I don't think he'll give us much bother no more. Are oh, you filthy little rat? Oh! What's him done? He's dangerous. Keep the wall. Conway. Conway. I've been waiting to see somebody put that chap to sleep for days. Well, now it's done. Come on, Mr. Kratz. Better get to work. Never. You must be a bad psychologist, Mr. Johnson. I don't think so. You can't make me work with you. No? Paul, yeah? you go. Take Conway's head and feet. Why? Chuck him in the smelting furnace. What? Don't argue, man. Take him by the feet, Paul. Yes, but there I... are no buts at this stage. Ah, Joe's coming round. He can give a hand. Where is he, the lousy... There he is on the floor. Oh, I'll get even with him later. You can get even with him now, Joe. Hey. Give you go a hand. Oh, you're not serious. You wouldn't show him into that furnace. It seems to be the only way of convincing you that we are serious. Conway means nothing to us, Mr. Kratz. Nor do the work people we've had to put temporarily out of action. There are 12 of them. I tell you quite seriously, unless you do what I'm asking you to do, then one after the other, they'll go into that furnace. You'll do it, Kratz. He'll do it, I tell you, for mercy's sake, do as you're told. Don't lose your nerve, Paul. Yeah, get out of the way. If Paul won't take this bloke's feet, I will. Right, Joe. Now then, lift, Hugo. <laughs> you can't do this. You can't do it. Not in cold blood. Just watch us. Right, Hugo. Swing together and let him go on the count of three. One. Oh, my God, Kratz, you can't let him do it. Stop! You hear me? Stop! All right, all right. I will do as, as you ask. All right, you two, hold it. Going to play ball, Kratz? Yes. Yes. I will do as you ask. Good. Then make a start. He would. Just as I was going to have my own back. Right, how you go. Drop him. Maybe you'd better tie him to a chair, Joe. 
Then get back to the phone. All calls to the switchboard will be put through to you. You know what to do. Right, What? What about the girlfriend of Conway's, Pat Manners? Surely you can leave the girl out of it. She has done no harm. At the moment she is sleeping, by the time she wakes, everything will be finished. Let the girl sleep. Sure, by all means, let her sleep. But what if she wakes up? She might easily make trouble. Let's hope she sleeps soundly, that's all. But for some reason, I couldn't sleep at all. I tried counting sheep. I tried all the other things, too, but it was no use. So I phoned David's room. I don't know why. Just felt I needed reassuring that everything was all right. The murder of that woman at the circus had shaken me more than I realised. I, I just couldn't get her out of my mind. And it wasn't only her. One murder can so often lead to several, especially in a case of this kind, and I just had to phone David. But there was no reply. Ah, sorry to bother you, Wilson, but there's no reply from Mr. Conway's room. Would you try him on your phone? Maybe mine's out of order. He's gone out, miss. What? About half an hour or more ago. With the other gent, the, the foreign one with the beard. Gone out? This time in the morning? There was a phone call came for him, urgent. Oh. Do you know who it was? The man said his name was Johnson. Jo Johnny Johnson? Oh, dear. Anything I can do, miss? Uh, you have no idea where Mr. Conway and his friend went? Well, look, get me Johnny Johnson's pub. Hey? I'll give you the number. Just a second while I look it up. Uh, no. No, on second thoughts, Wilson, don't bother. Get me the police instead, will you? Central 5,000. The police, miss? That's it. Quick, Wilson, don't hang about. This could be serious. But it was no use. Inspector James wasn't available. I tried his home number. No reply. By this time, I was beginning to develop a panicky sort of feeling. Every avenue I'd tried seemed to lead me nowhere. And I had a terribly lonely sensation, as though time had been marching on and I hadn't marched with it. And then it struck me that perhaps Victor Kratz might have wanted to go to the factory suddenly for some reason or other. And as David was his host for the night, maybe he'd felt he'd better go along too. So I tried the Astron Iron and Steelworks, and an impersonal voice said I'd be put through to the main gate, where someone was on duty who'd know the answers to my questions. Main gate, Commissioner speaking. Who's that? Commissioner, main gate, Aston Iron and Steelworks. Sounds like Joe. Is it Joe? Yes. Who's that? Uh, uh, it's Miss Manners here, Joe. You remember, Mr. Conway and me? Oh, yes, miss. Uh, what brings you ringing up the Aston this time of night? Oh, what are you doing there? Well, I work here. It's my job. Oh, I see. Uh, look, have you seen Mr. Conway and Mr. Kratz tonight? Me, miss? No. Why? Well, if by any chance they'd gone to the works, would you have seen them? Well, they couldn't have got in without me seeing them, miss. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. To stop unauthorized persons gaining entry to the works. Oh. But what's wrong? Oh, I, I just can't seem to contact Mr. Conway. Oh. Tidy's flat. Yes, exactly. That's the whole point. Uh, anyhow, I, I'm sorry to have bothered you. Oh, no bother at all, miss. No bother at all. Well, uh, good night. Good night. I was getting lonelier every minute. That left me just one other contact to try. 
and I decided not to do it by phone, but to go in person, however late it might be for social calls. I got dressed hurriedly, all the time having this awful sense of impending trouble. Something was wrong, something was very wrong, and I hadn't a clue what it was. But I intended to find out. Temperature should be coming up to the required figure, Paul. You've got the additive already? It goes in under pressure. You note that, Hugo. High pressure oxygen is used. Everything is noted down so far, including the formula for the additive. Kratz, why didn't you stick out against them? That's what you said you'd do. That's what you assured me you'd do. Whoever suffered? Apart from yourselves, there were 12 men. Most of them married with children, my boy. I couldn't do it. You thank your lucky stars he couldn't, Conway. Otherwise, you'd be signing a receipt for that half by now. Another few seconds, Mr. Kratz. Watch how this stuff is added to the molten metal, Hugo. Don't worry. Everything is noted. It is important that the formula should be added at precisely 1,500 degrees centigrade. I shall now check the temperature with the immersion pyrometer. Ready was the additive now. Right. Well, there it is. You've sold it, Mr. Kratz. I'm afraid I've had no alternative. Well, gentlemen, there is Kratz alloy in there in its molten state. It now needs only to be poured and cooled down at the definite speed specified in my notes. What about rolling the metal? Paul knows what to do. The men in the next section have got their instructions. At what temperature must it be rolled? Surely that is important. Very important. Well, what temperature? It is all there in those notes. Now I'm tired. I can do nothing more. You have all you need. Johnny. Hmm? One thing worries me. What? Suppose he's given us the wrong formula. Suppose it is a lot of rubbish, all this information we've got. In that case, the alloy won't be Kratz alloy, will it? That's what Hugo's driving at. Where do we go then? It'll be too late to do anything about it, won't it? If it isn't Kratz alloy, then it won't withstand bullets, will it? No. That's why, as I've already pointed out to Kratz privately, it's to be hoped that he's not made any efforts to double-cross us. Hey, Johnny! I told you to stay at the gate. I thought you ought to know that girl's just phoned through. Conway's bit of stuff, Pat. What did she want? Wanted to know if I'd seen anything of Kratz and Conway at the works. What did you say? What do you think I said? I told her I'd never set eyes on them. She sounded worried. Hmm. Hugo. Yeah? I think we can get along without your help for an hour. What do you mean? It might be advisable to ask the girl to join us. Listen. She's doing no harm. Leave her alone. Fetch her, Hugo. I warn you. Shut up. You... Go on, Hugo. It will be a pleasure. She always attracted me, that girl. Always. What about Red? Oh, Red, I'd forgotten her, yes. Let's have Red along here, too. Now, look, Johnny, there's no need... Paul, you're not running this show. I know Red's your wife, but you've been doing your best to forget that for some little time. Don't raise it now. It's the wrong moment. What sort of a skunk are you, Paul? What sort of a spineless rat have you suddenly grown into? Look, chum... Any minute now, we shall be testing the temperature of that alloy again. You wouldn't like us to use your arm as a pyrometer, would you? Right, then keep your mouth shut. Off you go, Hugo. Time's getting on and there's still a lot to be done. 
Connor. Sorry, Miss Baker. Me again. Oh, no, not twice in one night. Sorry. Will you get out? Uh, I hate forcing my way in like this, but occasionally one has no choice. You're asking for trouble, Miss Manners, if you come barging into other people's houses without an invitation. I have a permanent invitation to visit Red Farley's house, and it still is Red's house, isn't it? Or have you taken over all Red's possessions along with her husband? Does the permanent invitation apply to this hour of the morning? Listen, if you'd been in bed, I'd have thought twice about it, but you're not. What do you want? I want to know where David is, and I want to know where Red Farley is. You've come to the wrong place. I don't think so. It was obvious from the conversation we listened into that you both knew where Red was, both you and Paul. Prove it. And it suddenly struck me, oh no, the one place you'd never expect to find a woman who disappeared from home would be at home, wouldn't it? <laughs> you gave yourself away, Lush. All right, where is she? Find out. After we'd finished speaking to her in that circus tent, she vanished. Now, the only people who could have had anything to do with making her vanish were Johnny Johnson and you. Everybody else was accounted for. Johnny Johnson? But Johnny's Red's best friend. Everybody knows that. She went to him for help because she was afraid of Paul. Johnny Johnson is in this business with you lot. I'm certain of it. Nobody else could have kidnapped Red from that circus. And only Johnny or Joe or you could have murdered Bella D'Amati because, once again, everybody else was accounted for. Except Red. Red could have killed her. <laughs> I've got the choice. Red or one of you three. I'm choosing one of you three. Where's that noise coming from? I can't hear any noise. Well, I can. And it's coming from inside the house. Stay just where you are, Miss Manners. What? I've used a gun before, so I shouldn't take any chances. I see. Now the cards are well and truly on the table, aren't they? Turn your back towards me and keep walking. I'll tell you when to... <laughs> now what are you going to do, Miss Baker? I'm going to answer the phone. And you'll stay exactly where you are while I do it. Otherwise, I shall shoot. I mean that. Well, I hope you know more about handling guns than your friend Paul Farley. I shouldn't try to find out about that if I were you. Turn your back towards me. Go on, turn around, quick. Anything to oblige. Hello? Who is that? Miss Baker, who is that? Inspector James. Inspector James? But I thought... Yes? You thought what, Miss Baker? That I was dead? Why, no. No, I don't understand you. I... No, I know I... Inspector, come here quick. Why, you fool? Hello? Hello? Come to Farley's house as quickly as you can, Inspector. Hello? It's What's me, Fat Manners. Let go Miss my Baker. arm. Hello? Well, well, at least you remembered to take off the safety catch, which is more than your boyfriend did. You've broken my wrist, you bitch. I don't think so. Now you do as you're told, you mind. Against the wall there, quick as you like. Wait till Hugo gets back. Shut up. Hello? Hello, hello. <laughs> No, you don't, dear. Back against the wall. Hello. Oh, we seem to cut off the inspector between us. Well, now to investigate that noise. Carry on in front of me, Lush, will you? I'll do nothing of the sort. You fool, you damn fool! That might have hit me! The next one will. It'd be murder. Self-defense, actually. Now move towards that odd noise we can hear. Aha! The cellar, eh? Open that door, will you? I said, open it. Stand clear so that I can see. Red, what on earth have they done to you? <laughs> Tied up and gagged, eh? Set her free, Lush, and don't waste any time about it. Go on. Just wait for this. Just wait. Take that gag out while I cut these ropes and don't try any tricks, Miss Baker. I got a pen knife in one hand and a pistol in the other, and I'm a bit shaky on the trigger. <sighs> you okay, Red? Bless you, Pat. You're right. A bit numb, that's all. 
How on earth did you manage to climb the cellar steps and bang on that door? Oh, it took me ages. What should we do with her? Same as they did to me? All in good time. I want some information from Miss Baker first. Where's David and the rest of them? Where's Kratz? That's the information I want. You sure you're all right? Yes. The ropes weren't tight enough to stop circulation. Who got hold of you after you left us in the circus tent? I don't know. I crept out of the back entrance and somebody clapped a pad soaked with chloroform over my face. Next thing I knew, I was tied up in my own cellar. Mm. Red, do you trust Johnny Johnson? Trust him? Of course. Why? Because I don't. He's taken David and Kratz somewhere. And working by a process of elimination, I think he must be the man who's working with Paul. Oh, no. Never. I think he's behind the murder of Bella D'Amati, too. What? Bella D'Amati? She's not dead? Mm-hmm. Either Johnny Johnson or Lush here did it. Or Joe. Try and prove it. First of all, I want to know where David and Kratz have been taken, and you're going to tell us, Miss Baker. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I have one or two scores to settle with you, Miss Baker. Give me that penknife, Pat. Okay. She'll talk all right, don't worry. If she doesn't, she'll not be likely to run off with anybody else's husband. Red! What do you mean? Red! Don't look like that! But I'm supposed to be crazy, Lush. You and Paul have been telling me so for weeks. Very well. I'll live up to it now for a few minutes. Hey, Red, be careful. Just start talking, Lush, and everything will be all right. I owe you quite a lot, one way and another. Are you going to tell us what we want to know? Or not? You wouldn't dare to touch me. You wouldn't dare. You can't scare me if you are. Hey, steady on, Red. All right. I'll tell you. They're at the factory. But surely the tests are tomorrow night. They've been brought forward. They're all at the factory now. Ah, that'll be Inspector James, I fancy. Now perhaps we'll get somewhere. If what Lush says is true, we haven't a lot of time. I don't understand. You can't be certain the metal does all it's claimed to do until you've tested it. As I have already explained, the metal has not yet been tested properly. Not under these conditions. That isn't true, Mr. Kratz. A secret test of a small quantity of the alloy was made a fortnight ago. That was an experimental sample made in the laboratory on a very small scale. This is being made on production scale, a vastly different proposition. But it was a success. How do you know? You were not present at the test. I do know. In any case, you wouldn't have gone ahead with this big test if the first one hadn't proved successful. Even so, I repeat, no tests have been made of any samples of the new alloy produced on this scale. It's all the more reason why you'd better hope it's as good as you say. Mr. Conway, our friend, Johnny Johnson, will explain why it was advisable for me not to give the wrong formula and method of preparation. I'm listening. The sheet metal has to be tested here in our soundproof firing range with real bullets. You see, Conway, if Kratz alloy works as he says it should work, then all the bullets will bounce off. If it doesn't, the bullets will go straight through. So you should be offering up a little prayer that it works. Why? Why does it affect me? Because you and Mr. Kratz and the 12 poor devils in the other room will all be on the other side of the sheet of metal that's being tested. I see. You must admit, Mr. Conway, that it provides an incentive for Mr. Kratz to have produced a true working sample of the new metal. But surely, if due to some very slight error in cooling or rolling, the metal fails to attain the correct bulletproof standard, 
then you'll have killed the one man who could, could correct the error, Mr. Kratz himself. Presumably, that will be my punishment for failing. It will not worry me unduly, as you can imagine. At the same time, there is something in what Conway says. Better, perhaps, if we let Kratz watch with us. I have no desire to watch with you. I prefer to take my chance with my friends. What you prefer doesn't happen to enter into things at the moment, I'm afraid. Guns loaded, Paul? Yes, already. Test them on that piece of normal metal, will you? It's set up ready in the frame. Right. Hmm. Made a tidy mess of that piece of steel, didn't it? But that wasn't Kratz alloy, was it? No, Mr. Johnson. That wasn't Kratz alloy. Right. Fix up the new metal sheet, the first one. Let's have some of those workers in. Mr. Johnson. Mr. Johnson, I beg you. Don't let these innocent men undergo this dreadful risk. If you've done your job properly, there can't be any risk. Now then, Conway, get behind that sheet. I seem to have little alternative. Oh, no, not you as well, Kratz. You stay and watch the results with us. Do you not understand? Any mistake in the formula or the processing of this alloy, and you will be murdering these men. You'll have murdered them, not me. But this test is the first major test the new metal has had. Anything may happen. Then Conway and these others better start hoping the right thing happens, that's all. Listen, Mr. Kratz. Do you give your word of honor that this is the correct formula and process for Kratz alloy? To hear you speaking of word of honor, Paul, amuses me. Tonight we have made the first large sheets of my new metal. Those are the sheets, Kratz alloy in sheet metal form, for the first time. Do you pledge your word that the formula and processing are absolutely correct? I do. Then in that case... In there's... that case, neither Mr. Kratz nor his friends have anything to fear. Line up the sights of the gun on the metal sheet, Paul. Right. You mean you will still go through with the test with these men in the line of fire? Don't worry, Mr. Kratz. Whatever happens, you can't be blamed. Right. Line them up behind the sheet with Conway. Come on there, get a move on. Step on it. And now, Mr. Kratz, cross your fingers. We're going to see the first real action test of Kratz alloy, the new super metal. And it better be good. What benefit do you hope to get from murdering all these workers? Where's the point? He's right there, Johnny. If you will only listen to me for a moment. If your metal's all it's cracked up to be, the bullets will bounce off. Nobody will get hurt. And then what? I shouldn't think of trying any Errol Flynn stuff, Conway, like leading the charge of the light brigade or anything. For the last time, Mr. Johnston, listen to me. For the last time, will you shut up? Ready, Paul? But, Johnny, there may be some slight flaw in the way the metal has been processed. Don't you start. He's right. He's right. You can't be sure. Are we going to stand here and let him use us as living targets? Oh! You see what I mean? Any more arguments? You murdering scoundrel. I can't go through with this, Johnny. It might be mass murder and I'm pressing the trigger. I can't do it. You're right, Paul. It would be mass murder. Deliberate, cold-blooded murder. I know what I'm saying. Come out. I'll do the job myself. Johnny, Johnny. I thought I told you to keep at the main gate and answer phone calls, Joe. Hugo's been on the line. The police are on their way. What? Shut up, you lot. Well, Joe? Hugo tried to contact Conway's girl, but she'd gone to see Lush. She set Red Farley free and the police are at the house when Hugo got there. He's going to try and hold them. He says he'd do his best to cause a delay of some sort, but we'd better scarper. The police cars will be on their way by now, so Hugo says. Right, Joe. Get the lorry and load the sheets on. We'll take Kratz with us. Right, oh. You other boys can attend to these characters here. With luck, we should be outside the place in less than five minutes. Don't fire either of the machine guns, Paul. We may need all our ammunition later. Right. Thank heavens. Come on, you chaps. Take a chance. Hey. Go for the man with the machine gun. He won't fire. Hey! 
Conway! Paul! Watch him, Conway! Watch Conway! Don't let him get away with that gun! Why, where? Right, Paul, my lad. We'll upset Johnny's plan yet, if only... Conway! Oh, great heavens! His head! Look! You... You've killed him, Johnny! You have! That's right. He's been asking for it long enough. And now let's get going. If anybody else wants to start anything, now's the time. After all, you can't say you haven't been warned, any of you. Conway himself was warned, but he wouldn't listen. A very foolish mistake on his part. You might almost say a fatal mistake. Can't you go any faster, Inspector? No point in getting there ahead of the other reinforcements. We might walk straight into the same sort of trouble that Kratz and David must have done. It doesn't make sense to me. I worked with Johnny Johnson during the war. That was when you were trying to trace sabotage in the steelworks, wasn't it, Mrs. Farley? Yes, that's right. Hmm. And Johnny was a key man in our organization. Yes, that probably accounts for there being so much sabotage in this particular area. How do you mean? Well, if he was a key man in your outfit, he'd be able to keep the other side fully informed as to your activities. Hmm? sort of double, double cross. Yeah, that's it. This one knows more than she's letting out. Don't you, Lush? I'm not talking, Red. In your state of mind, eaten up with jealousy as you are. Why, you... All right, all right, save it, ladies, if you don't mind. Miss Baker can say all the things she wants to say in front of a judge. Oh, yes? On what charge? Murder. What, me? Murder? Somebody killed Bella DeMatte. It could easily have been you. It most certainly wasn't me. Have you ever heard of being an accessory? You're in real trouble, young woman, and don't you forget it. Inspector, mm -hmm. I'm worried to death. About David? Yes. I don't suppose they'll do very much to Mr. Kratz. He's too useful. But David's been nothing but a nuisance to them ever since the affair started. That's true. I shouldn't worry, Pet. Wouldn't you? If I were in your shoes, I'd worry, Miss Manners. You tell me I'm in real trouble, Inspector. It's nothing to the trouble you're in. You've got no case. No David Conway. No Victor Kratz. And I don't suppose for a minute you've got any cracks alloy super metal. It'll all be well away by the time you reach the works. Well, how do they hope to get the metal out of the country? And Victor Kratz, for that matter. The ports are already being watched. You'll be surprised. Keep well over to the left, Inspector. There's someone in a hurry behind us. Well, if he's got any sense, he won't try to pass on this stretch of the road. There's that nasty bend round to the right just ahead of us. He can't hope to overtake me at the speed he's doing and take the bend as well. Yes, and there's that narrow bridge just round the bend, too. Wave him down, Inspector. Well, can't the fool see it's a police car? He's taking no notice. He's going to pass Stop. you. Get back, you idiot. It's Hugo. What? Hugo, no, no, I'm in the car. Lush! It is Hugo Norst Norston, Inspector. So he's trying to repeat the dose, is he? He's coming alongside. Is he armed, Mrs. Farley? No. No, he's travelling too fast to use a gun. He's going to try and crash you on the bridge. Hugo, no, no, Hugo, you fool! Now, hang on, everybody. It's him or us. Can't get away with this sort of thing twice in one night. Now hold tight. We shall hit him. Well, if we don't, he'll hit us. Here goes. For goodness sake, Pap, do sit down. You're making me jittery. My nerves aren't in too good a state after that crash. I know Hugo asked for it, but... No, I'm not worried about Norston's death, Red. What I'm worried about is why the inspector had to leave us here like this. Well, be sensible. It's hardly our line of country if there is a real scrap going on. Best for us to wait here at the factory gates, as he suggested. Yes, but there isn't a soul about. There's no commissionaire on duty, nobody working. It's obvious that the whole gang of them has got away. 
Oh, here he comes in about time. Uh, I shan't be long, you two. We are just going down to the underground firing range. Good. We'll come along with you. Uh, no, I, I shouldn't, Pet. But they've obviously gone, haven't they? That's not quite the point. What? Inspector, what's happened? I can tell from your expression that something's gone wrong. What is it? I don't know, Pet. It's David, isn't it? Well, what's happened? What have you found out? Well, we've just released several workers who've been locked up. They were the skeleton staff working on the super metal experiments. Yes, go on, go on. Well, apparently they'd been replaced by a shadow staff of men working under Johnny Johnson's orders. Shadow staff? But where would trained men suddenly come from to take over work like that? I don't know, but we'll find that out later. Anyway, all these chaps were going to be used as guinea pigs. The idea was to put them behind a sheet of Kratz alloy and fire armour-piercing bullets at it. Surely they resisted. Two of them did, apparently. One was a worker at the factory, the, the other wasn't. Uh, David? I don't know till we get down there. Uh, down these steps. Oh, Inspector, if it was David, then he might easily... Pat, don't let's look too far ahead. Any idea how long they've been gone, Inspector? About 20 minutes before my men got here, I gather. Norston must have tipped them off that we were on the way. But haven't these workers any clue where Johnson's crowd have gone and whom they've taken with them? No. All I can find out is that there seems to have been a prearranged getaway plan which swung into operation like clockwork. Ah, this is the door. I'll stay with you out here, Pet. No, that's all right, Red. I'd rather go in. Mrs. Farley, look after Pat, will you? Don't worry, Red. I shan't have hysterics or anything. Ah, there they are. Oh, it's David, Inspector. It is David. Oh, David. Oh, my darling, what have they done to you? wasn't dead, I mean. For the rest of my life, I shall have a neat, permanent parting in my hair that wasn't there before that particular night, but I wasn't anything like dead. Johnny Johnson's bullet had been close enough to graze my scalp and give me slight concussion and make me bleed rather a lot, but that was all. Another sixteenth or so of an inch, and this story would have been called Conway's last case. <sighs> I was lucky. I lived to fight another day. <laughs> Pat was so relieved and delighted, bless her, I could hardly bring myself to argue with her. But I'm afraid I did. It's no use talking like that, my sweet. Don't you, my sweet me, David Conway. I'm alive and kicking. You're alive and want kicking, you mean? I'm just as good as new. They didn't even keep me in hospital. No, I know all about that. I know you're fit and free from infection and everything, but please, darling, try and stay that way, just for my sake. David, when I saw you lying there and your poor head... Well, as soon as you saw it was a head wound, you should have been happy. Oh. You know, we Conways all have heads made from a substance that makes Kratz alloy look silly. Always did have. It's a family thing. You're very funny and I'm not laughing. But please yourself. Go on, get mixed up again, do what you like, only count me out. And now I'm going. Going? What do you mean, going? Where are you going? Anywhere. To find a fiancé with a bit of consideration for other people. Oh, now you're being crazy, Don't Pat. Don't go away. I shan't go away. Mm. There. But you know as well as I do, until Kratz is found and Johnny Johnson's been put away, I shan't rest. But the police are scarring the country, David, and they're getting along very nicely without David Conway's help. I've got a personal score to settle with that mob. Besides, I like old Kratz. Well, so do I like old Kratz. I think he's a dear, but he doesn't happen to be the man I'm going to marry. And neither will you be if you persist in sticking your silly neck out for people to fire guns at. Oh. 
And in any case, David, they're out of the country by now. It must be. It's two whole days since they vanished. And so far as I'm concerned, they can take Kratz alloy and all the other super metals and... Darling, please. Well... Oh. Besides, apart from anything else, don't you want to know if the blessed metal works? If it is bulletproof? I could... All right, I'll go. He's not at home to the police. I'm sorry. I'm sorry too, Pat. Um, come in, Mrs. Farley. Hello, Pat. How's the patient? Already unwilling to go and get another bullet in his silly head. Take no notice of the woman, Inspector. Come right in. Ah, now, what's the news? No news. But I can't believe it. They must be somewhere. Oh, they've gone to Earth. They may stay hidden and split up for months before they decide to cross to the continent, if that's where they're heading for. But the ports and air terminals are being watched, you said? Naturally. But there must have been quite a crowd of them, in addition to Kratz and several large and cumbersome sheets of his precious metal. Yet in 20 minutes, they'd somehow been absorbed into thin air. Well, what about Lush? Can't she help? She could help, but of course she won't. Sits there looking very pleased with herself because she knows a lot more than we know. Yes, she's our one hope at the moment. Well, how can she be if she won't talk? Well, at present, she's in the car outside under guard. But I think I shall uh, let her go. And watch her? Yes, mm. maybe she'll lead us to them. Or maybe Paul will try and contact her. What we've been hoping is that something we'd say or suggest might be along the right lines, and knowing Lush, she'd give it away. She would, yes. She hasn't got a poker face, that young lady. Well, so far we've been well off the beam, then, that's all I can say. You know, I remember that first business we were in together, David. What, the Uncle Henry affair? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Mm. Where does that tie up? Well, Uncle Henry vanished with umpteen thousand pounds worth of diamonds and he had to get them out of the country. Yes, he took a choir boys out into Paris, didn't he? That's right. And every choir boy wore a diamond-loaded hat or something. <laughs> yes, and diamonds in the heels of their shoes. <laughs> yes, but diamonds are one thing and a dozen people plus Victor Kratz plus five or six sheets of Kratz alloy are another. Yes, like trying to transport a pantomime. <laughs> well, I'm blessed. Like trying to transport a pantomime. Hey, just a minute. Fetch Lush Baker up here, Inspector. I've got an idea. Oh, he's off again. No, seriously. I think I found the answer. And if Lush Baker has it sprung at her suddenly, she might confirm I'm on the right track. Let's get up here and see. Quick. I'm sure I've got the answer. I'm absolutely certain of it. Not the slightest use trying to make me talk. Not the slightest. You'll get nothing out of me. Here he is, the wounded hero. Hello, Miss Baker. Your friends nearly put pay to my account. It's but... not too late for them to finish settling it even now. You're quite definite that you won't help your own case by turning Queen's evidence? Don't be silly. Pity? Pity for you, perhaps. No, sweetheart. For you. We'll see. I told you before, you've got some brains working against you in this job. We know where your friends are, though. Bluff. I don't think so. I'm still not talking. No, it's no good, Inspector. She won't be persuaded to tell us anything. Never mind, though. We'll just have to go along to Calanthe's circus and get them without her help. What? Who told you? You interfering little squirt, Conway. Watch her, David. Hey, lay off. Oh. Now shut up, Lush. Next time I might hurt you. Oh. Carry on, David. Well, it was the inspector talking about transporting a pantomime. But, of course, the very thing. Prior to Continental Tour, I remember the posters. Yes. Yes, they could all be swallowed up beautifully inside that outfit. Where's the circus now? Well, they have two more shows on route for the docks, I believe. Uh -huh. We can easily find out where they're playing tonight and pay them a visit. You know, I wouldn't be at all surprised to find that you're on the right track this time, David. My dear Paul, I need no explanations from you. What explanations can you give for your behavior? Look at it my way. 
What difference does it make who has the blasted metal? It happens to be my metal, and I wanted Britain to have it. Uh. Anyway, if it is such a matter of indifference to you, Paul, why not have let things take their course? Why hand over to these other people? Because of the money. I couldn't live on what I was getting from Astron. Not and keep two women, your wife and Miss Baker. I agree. I can't think why Lush hasn't joined us by now. And Hugo. It's been two days. Johnny won't let me find out, won't let me go back. And of course, Johnny is the boss. <sighs> what have you gained, Paul, by your action? You are here with me, a prisoner in the same caravan, the door locked and the windows barred. Johnny Johnson trusts you no more than he trusts me. Your wife will despise you, your mistress will be in prison. What have you gained? They've only locked me up. Well, because... Because? Because they think I'll try to go back to Lush. Tell me, Paul. Was it Miss Baker who persuaded you to join this organization and to be a traitor to your own country? She was instrumental, yes. Mm. She must have great influence over you. She worked with Norston for years. Norston tried to get me to pass on information ages ago, but I refused. But you didn't expose the man. No, I owed him too much. Lush worked on me as well, and I fell for it. And your wife? Why treat her so badly? And she found out somehow and vanished, as you know. But of all the people to run to for help, she chose Johnson. <laughs> that was fantastic. If she'd gone straight to the police, it would have been all up. Why did they not put her out of the way immediately, then? Why let her go to Conway and to me? I persuaded them not to kill her. I thought we could play it on the fact that she was supposed to be crazy, so that whatever she said would sound like a lot of raving hysteria. I didn't want Red murdered. Funny, you know, Paul. You go so far and so far, and then you stop. I wanted everything handled without murder. Then you were a trifle unlucky in that respect, weren't you? That was Bella Damati. What about her? Oh, that was nothing to do with me. Joe killed her. She'd found out that a lot of the circus staff weren't circus people at all. They were metal workers, as you know. She started asking questions. Red talked to her as well, and I suppose she put two and two together and decided to tell the police. But Joe got there first. Ah, another visit from your master's Paul. Listen, Paul, no time to argue. Get on to us. What? Right. <clears throat> I spotted him in the circus there, watching the show. But if they're only watching it, yes, what's a good half dozen police cars at various points? Yeah, somebody's talked, all right. If it's that bitch, lush baker, you keep a civil tongue in your head you when you shut your mouth, my lad. You don't count much right now. I thought we were going to make it all right as arranged, but it doesn't look that way. Only thing to do is to get out sharpish. But if the police are here, listen. If we three can get out with crets and the metal sheets. And we can do that easy enough if we stage a big enough sideshow. Sideshow? Some to keep the coppers busy while we shove off. But, but what about the rest of the men? They can please themselves. The important thing is that we get away. But we got no time to waste. This sideshow, Paul, they got the sea lions on at the minute. All the dangerous animals are in the animal tent. You don't mean... Shut up, you! The lorry's all ready and one of the machine guns is mounted on it. Once we're moving, we should be sitting pretty. What do you want me to do? We've posted the second machine gun down in the corner of the field. It can cover most of the circus ground and it can put one police car out of action, the one parked in the lane. You'll have to work that gun, Farley. What will you two be doing? Joe and me have got two jobs. To look after Kratz here and to bring the lorry over from the far side of the ground, through the gate and down the lane that leads to the main road. But what happens to me? We shall have two pickups to make. We shall pick up Fred at the back of the animal tent immediately he's done the necessary in there. What do you mean, the necessary? Use your loaf. Johnny told you we got to stage some sort of sideshow. You, you mean he's going to let the animals loose? That'll panic the crowds, and once the crowd starts to panic, the police will be too busy to bother with us. We'll pick you up with the other gun and off we go. That clear? Yes. Yes, that's clear. Well, what are you looking like that for, then? There are hundreds of people in the big top, Johnny. If there's a stampede, a lot of them are going to get hurt. Killed, maybe. 
Children, too. You can't do it, Paul. At this stage, there's no argument. He's in this lot right up to the hilt. Now, you might as well carry on. Oh, yes, of course. John is right. Give you five minutes to get into position at the bottom of the field with the other gun. You'll cover us in case of accidents. I'll get the driver to warm up the lorry. Then, soon as you hear the horn sounded, Joe, bring Kratz over and don't stand any funny business. Right, Al. Everything depends on split-second timing from that point onwards. Once you hear the signal on that horn, get cracking. You fool, Paul, you fool. Don't you see? They will never pick you up. They'll leave you to face the consequences alone and then... Oh! Nice work, Joe. I told him he'd talk too much. Dump him in the shadow of the hedge and I'll pick him up. Right-o. Better stay with him in case he comes round. Off you go, Paul. Hop it. You know what to do? Yes, Johnny. I know what to do. David, you really are the limit. The inspector told you to stay in the show. I tell you, I saw somebody. Recognise one of the men who was in that underground range with Johnny Johnson. Well, leave things to the inspector. He's in charge. Coming out of the show like this, you might upset everything. Keep in the shadows and don't argue. Pat, quick, come over here. What's wrong? There he is. That's the chap, standing by that tent over there. You see him? Under that light. Yes. But the inspector's placing a cordon round the place. Why should you interfere? I'm not interfering. Pat, now what's going on? Shh. Hold everything, Inspector. Look, I saw you leave the circus tent. Now listen to me. That when chap I... over there under the lamp. He's one of them. I've just recognised him. There. He popped inside the tent. Just as though that motor horn was a signal. Inspector, David, look over hmm? there. Look, that far caravan right at the end. It's that man Joe, surely. And he's pulling someone out after him. It's Krantz. That motor horn was a signal. You attend to Joe, David, hmm. and I'll see what our friend's doing in the other tent. Well, be careful. I think that's the animal tent. Um, go with him, Sergeant. And we want that chap Joe. Constable, you come with me. And don't forget that he's probably armed. What the blazes do you think you're doing, man? You'll have the animals out if you're not careful. I knew were you anyway. What's you got to do with you? Look, there's a tent full of people across there and you've opened one safety door. If you've got any sense, you'll clear out quick. Go on, off Watch it. him, Constable. He's reaching for his pocket. I've told you, you've got any sense at all. You'll get out and mind your own business. No, watch out, man. Don't back up against those bars. Look, don't get any nearer. Watch out! <laughs> into the shadow. Mm. But Krantz is struggling. Keep quiet, or by gum, I'll finish you once and for all. Let me go, you hear Let me go. Come, Hello, Joe. Conway. But, but you're dead. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. Come back. Conway, I can't believe now, it. Now, Joe, are you going to behave? Oh, I got a way of dealing with ghosts. We'll soon find out how dead you are, Conway. That's what I was hoping. David, be careful. Now then, Mr. Nosey Carpenter. Uh, that was for the poor devil who was murdered. I'll double you for good and all out. <coughs> and those two are for me. I don't think he'll want any more somehow. Quickly, Conway. In the far corner of the field, Paul is there with a the machine gun. The idea is to stampede the animals and make a getaway in the confusion. Where's Johnny Johnson? In a lorry. He'll be starting off at any second. And the other machine gun is mounted on it. Unless we do something, they will turn the circus gun into a shambles. A complete shambles. 
someone crouched down there. Look. What frame of mind is he in, Mr. Kratz? Paul, I mean. Very undecided. All right, we'll give him a chance. That you, Paul? Huh? Who? Who is it? Who's that? It's me, Conway. But, 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 but Johnny shot you. I saw him. I am here, Paul, too. The game is over now. Do you want to keep up the fight, or will you see a reason? Oh, I'll give in. I don't want any more. I've had enough, but Johnny Johnson won't give in, and he's out to panic the animals and the crowd. You have the gun there? Yes. When the lorry comes near enough, give it a burst. A long burst. But that's the whole point. That's where he's been so damn clever. He's had the whole lorry plated with Kratz alloy. What? That's oh. how he's getting it out of the country. Oh, that's done it, sir. Oh, puts him in a pretty strong position, doesn't it? He's trying to panic the crowd and the animals with machine gun fire from the lorry. There he goes. Look, swinging through the gates. Fire, Paul. Fire at But it. it's no use. Give me the gun. Here, give it to me. That man must have gone utterly mad. He said he'd stop to pick me up. And the other man. You didn't really think he would stop, did you? Look at him. He's firing at the police car. Look, from the back of the lorry. Johnny Thompson wanted to test Kratzaloy with living people on the other side of it. Well... This is his opportunity of watching the results. Only this time, he is beginning. Now! But, but it didn't work. The bullets didn't bounce off. They went straight through. Kratz alloy is a failure. It isn't bulletproof. And now, and now, my friends, my friends, when the champagne has been poured, I will ask you to drink a toast to my new super metal. Well, sir, as you know, I, I'm always delighted to drink champagne with anybody at any time. But it does seem odd to be drinking to, well... There, David, the soul of tact. <laughs> to be drinking to a super metal that is a failure, huh? Well, Mr. Kratz, it wasn't bulletproof, was it? Johnny Johnson found that out. No, Kratz alloy was not bulletproof. I'll admit it was very light in weight, but then uh, so is aluminium. And that isn't bulletproof either, hmm? But I tried three times to tell them when we were at the factory. They wouldn't listen to me. You know, Mr. Kratz is concealing something. Mm. Did you make up the alloy to the wrong <coughs> formula deliberately? No. No, I gave my word. But where Paul and his friend made their big mistake was in the fact that Kratz alloy was never meant to be bulletproof. That was not its great asset. But that's what everyone understood. I agree. That is what they were intended to understand. Only the chief of the Aston Works and Victor Kratz knew the true merit of Kratz alloy. <laughs> and the chief of the Aston Works wasn't sure. But what quality could a metal have that would be more useful? The quality which would enable aircraft or guided missiles to travel at speeds which would take them through the thermal barrier. The the thermal barrier? We are through the sound barrier. Mm -hmm. The next speed obstacle is the heat barrier. At tremendously high speeds, the air friction against the leading edges of the aircraft wings and so on is such as to cause the metal to become hot enough at worst to melt or at best to lose some of its efficiency. Mm. Uh, didn't that factor cause a lot of V-2s and other guided missiles to explode before they reached their objective? Precisely. Mm. It is imperative to discover a new metal skin for all such high-speed projectiles. Imperative if progress in this direction is to continue. Well, I should have thought we were going fast enough without it, personally. Here, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. It is a vitally important development in peace or war. And you think Kratz alloy is the metal to solve the problem? I'm sorry. I would not tell the answer to that question even to such good friends as you. <laughs> but, but let me put it this way. 
I am sufficiently encouraged to ask you now to drink to Kratz Alloy, the metal of the future. Kratz Alloy. And you. Yes, and coupled with that, will you all please drink to a quiet, peaceful sort of life for David and me from now on? This is definitely our last case. No more trouble, no more excitement, no more danger. Oh, what happened? Ah, there. Your glass was shattered by a champagne cork. You see, Pat, even the champagne objected to that toast. I'll give you one in its place. Here's to the next time. May it be soon. Oh, David. Here's you, Pat. And you, David. Red for Danger by Edward J. Mason, you heard Izan Churchman, Anne Cullen, Chris Gittins, Arnold Peters, Bernard Rebel, Eddie Robinson, Dudley Rolfe, June Spencer, Peter Wilde and Harry Stubbs. It was produced by Philip Garston-Jones and first broadcast on the BBC Midland Home Service in 1954.